Welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. Today we're going to talk about Copa, the African asset financing platform. We'll explore the Mcopa story across five areas. One, African electrical power context. Two, Mcopa's early history. Three, its product and monetization strategy. Four, its competitive position exit options. And then five, we'll end with our views on its overall outlook. This episode was recorded on January 15th, 2023. Cool. Copa is an asset financing company that provides solar power, phones, TVs, and fridges to consumers in East and West Africa. That is what they yes. do. Or as the, their asset financing platform, that's what they are, a loan platform. Copa means to borrow in Swahili. Um, mm-hmm. that's what and M means mobile. That's where we're going to get the name for our next startup for. Just go look at a bunch of languages. <laughs> and Swahili is definitely one of them. Okay. Alternatively, in corporate speak, Mcopa is a connected asset financing platform that serves customers across Africa. Yikes. And then my least favorite of all is a connected asset financing platform that offers millions of underbanked customers access to life-enhancing products and services. Jeez, just give me a break with the marketing crap. They started off in 2011, 2012. So they're actually one of the older yeah. companies we've spoken about. They're like 10-ish years old. And they started in Kenya. So there'll, be a little, yeah. there'll be a little bit of Kenya-ish vibes, old school vibes as we tell the story today. And according to Crunchbase, they've raised over $260 million in debt Jeez. and equity and grant in 10 years in that's i was Incredible. thinking is this probably like top 10 most funded <laughs> african it, startups ever definitely it, it maybe it's definitely it's definitely not number one the legend i think the legend goes to jumia like 1.1.3 1. 1. 1.5 billion raised in 10 yeah. years this is high but they're Jumeray, they're legends and they're this Yoko high. had that that, that <laughs> fundraise wave more had that big fundraise right, right. So people, yes people have raised money now but they are part of them yes they're all funny. Yeah, so they've raised a bunch of money. They're addressing a big problem. When we first started Afroability, I used to talk about the access stack, which is electricity infrastructure. People need electricity. People need smartphones, which is the second one. The yeah. third one is internet access. And this is actually solving one of those core problems because yeah. they're trying to provide more electricity to lower income people. It sounds cool. We'll go through the story and we'll talk about it. Just find that MCOPA is one of those startups that is in the press a lot. Like. From when Obama mm-hmm. comes to Africa, talks about them, the Power Initiative. There's a picture of Obama beside somebody explaining to him how Encopa works. Fancy. They won awards from Bloomberg Financial Times, Fortune Top 50 companies changing the world. Yes. So yep. I can't believe it took us so long to talk about Encopa. Let's do it. I wish I would say all that stuff makes a difference to me. I give zero shits about any of those things. We call them asset financing platform, which sounds fancy, but they started off as pay-as-you-go energy. So we'll talk through how their business models evolved over time. Wonderful. Public service yeah. announcements? Yeah? Yeah, let's okay. go. PSAs, founders, operators, investors, we'd love to link up with you. Email us, info at afferability.com. Listeners, join our mailing group. It's on our website. It's a great button. We send emails every two to three weeks. Bankly sent a great email about a week and a half ago. And yeah, with that, we're ready to kick off. Biases. Biases. I thought about this. I actually don't... Okay. I studied electrical engineering, and I spent a lot of time thinking about power and power availability and supply as, huh. as an engineer. Um, biases to huh. be like, these things don't necessarily scale was my video bias going into this. I think my, where I ended up is more nuanced and we'll talk about it in the conclusion. The don't scale means what? They don't really solve the problem they're aiming to solve. It's like the fundamental problem is around like rural electrification of solving those things. But I guess if you ask somebody on the other side, they would say, yeah, but it's very similar to the crypto argument we had when we had the creators round table, which is, yes, it's simple mm. to solve with existing rails, but it doesn't work for whatever reason. Therefore, we need I crypto. See. So whether crypto software doesn't exist or not, it's more that this is the way the world is. And we can talk about the way we want the world to be. And if it's not there, we need people need to charge their phones today, which is why they need PSU Go Solar. 
If you have a better way, I come see. up with it. Yes, the better way is the <laughs> green. But money. If have, yeah. If you have a better way, why don't come do that? But as, as we'll talk through the structural reasons why business like this, this is unnecessary. My immediate bias reading about PS Equal Solar has been, I said I've been negative. I'm, I like to think I'm a bit more balanced going through the preparation for this episode. Before I started my research, my bias was quite positive because I thought, oh, pay-as-you-go solar, it makes sense. It's analogous to pay-as-you-go phones and SIM cards and all those plans. Like low-income people don't have that much money. If you do bite-sized business models, it makes more sense if you're in a rural area. Also, because it's pay-as-you-go solar, a lot of places in sub-Saharan Africa are hot, obviously, tropical countries. There was something that was attractive to me about solar businesses, bite-sized payments. It sounded like a win-win, especially because I know the government may be a little bit slower to roll out grid and supply to some of those areas. That's why I started. I started to do more research and I started to understand they're focused more on asset financing. I was like, eh, I don't know about asset financing. It depends on what assets are you financing, number one. What's your collection strategy? How do you get the money back? So after some back and forth, I ended up a little bit neutral, but maybe slightly a little bit positive because I think they could have some impact. But... Because asset financing is more of their business now than solar, I don't know, it, it, it not just me to be less positive than I would already be. So slightly positive, but not as positive as, as I was when I started. Let's there's, see. There's so many layers in the summary, but let's not have the podcast before the podcast. Yes, yes, so, yes. yes. So, that, that's just the bias. That's just the bias. We haven't even started yet. All right, cool. All right, let's get into it then. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to start us off with African power context. I'll talk a little about Kenya power context. And then after that, Bankoli will talk a lot about the founding story. Okay, let us do it. Power context in Africa. This is going to sound very familiar. As we did with healthcare and agriculture and education, electricity availability is a problem across Africa due to infrastructure deficiencies. I read an article and literally, the I think the first sentence of the article is, Africa has the worst access to electricity in the whole world. I was like, oh, wow, quite vicious. Now, 60 to 80% of Africans lack direct access to electricity. Wide range because there's a lot of variability. Obviously, it depends on the country. Some countries have super high access, like South Africa and Morocco, and then some have lower access, like Chad and Ethiopia. Mm. So there's a lot of variability, obviously, because Africa is so big. Even Sub-Saharan Africa is quite big. But the macro thing is 60 80% don't have access. There's a lot of problems. And even when there is access, there is some. the power isn't as stable. There's having access and then having access to stable power. So that's the broad level about context. And also, I'll add a link to the World Bank showing the different levels of access to electricity for different African countries. A lot of variability. Yeah, I would even break it down into two parts. If there's the part of just being connected to the grid, surprisingly, even for places like Nigeria, which I know that many Nigerians don't think about, is just being connected to the grid is a chore. There are many people, lots of people not even connected to the grid at all. If you've done NYC, if you did NYC, which is a national mandatory one-year national service everybody has to do in Nigeria, if you did NYC out of Lagos, or you went to somewhere rural, not out of Lagos, out of Lagos, but then rural, you see how easy it is for people to just not bother being connected to the grid. So that's step one of the problem, right? Grid connections. And that's sort of the problem that MCOPA kind of solved. Step two connection that we're, what I think most Nigerians or me are more familiar with is when you're connected to the grid, there is no power. Which is like a very, in some ways, it's a first world problem in that like, oh, you already have the connections. Oh, we need to just run things through the pipes. But there's so many structural problems. And when you think about right. energy access across the board, you end up in this situation where step one is connected to the grid. Just have the pipes. Step two, be able to put things through the pipes in the right way. Many African countries feel at step one and step two. Outside of many African countries feel at step one, some countries are appalling at both steps. I can think of Nigeria. Nigeria's appalling at both, right? Although it's increasing, rural education is increasing, but at the same time, it's just not good enough. 
Like Nigeria, for example, generates, it's not even a Nigeria episode, but I feel just painful. Nigeria generates like, pick any small Scandinavian town, probably generates more electricity than Nigeria, right? And, and it becomes super inefficient. And that's the entire context of, of African power availability and what that means if you go into like wealth creation or job creation or economic growth and two steps. You don't even connect to the grid, which is the most efficient, cheapest form of supply because it scales across a number of people. And the second Supposedly. is not even having power to the grid. I know, in theory, yeah, right? Yeah, fair. Now, now, even though Bankoli loves Nigeria, this podcast, this episode is not that much about Nigeria. That's just his bias, cough, cough, showing up. Okay, the actual country we're going to talk a little bit about is Kenya, because that's where Mkopa started from. Quick Kenya, Kenya context. 50 to 55 million people. Yeah, seventh most populated African country, the largest economy in East Africa, has the Eastern Bloc with Uganda and those other countries, um, mm -hmm. and a large market for startups and for VC. Top three markets for VC investments in 2018, 2019, and 2020, along with Nigeria and South Africa. Also one of the big four with Egypt for startup activity. So that's Kenya. Now, Kenya energy context, how different is that from the rest of Africa? So we said electricity access was uneven across Africa, right? So here are some more specific stats. Percentage of population with access to electricity. In 2010, it was 19% in Kenya. Okay. In Sub-Saharan Africa, it, it was 33%. Access is, is access is grid access? Is that how to define This it? is World Bank saying percentage of population with access to electricity. Okay. So okay. I don't know if they mean access. I think they mean actual electrical supply in their houses, in their homes. Okay. But it may okay. also be, be, be grid. It was 19% for Kenya in 2010, but Sub-Saharan Africa was already 33%. So it was way worse around the time MCOPA started. Now in 2020, now, where we're not in 2020 now, but you get my point. In 2020, it was 71%, way higher than 19 for Kenya, and Sub-Saharan Africa, 48%. The, the trends here are important. Obviously, if you compare it to America, America is 100%, according to World Bank, and most parts of Europe are 100%. So Kenya has improved drastically, 19% to 71%. Sub-Saharan Africa has improved, but not as quickly as Kenya. That's just quick context of the electricity access in Kenya. Yeah. It's been a massive challenge over all the years, infrastructure deficiencies, access deficiencies. The Kenyan government has been trying over the past 10 to 15 years to improve reliability of the power grid. And that's involved a bunch of different things. They're trying to do geothermal, wind, solar, some renewable stuff, yada, yada, yada. This episode is not about that. This episode is about startups trying to solve the problem, which the government's been trying to do something. And you can see in the statistics that things are improving yeah. in Kenya. Bank, any thoughts about Kenya access? Yeah, it's also a lot of these things, when you, we talk about not being connected to the grid, a lot of them end, to end up focused in, end up clustered in rural areas. That there are good reasons yes, for them course. not to be connected to the grid, right? If, you're not, if you of don't course. live in those rural areas, if you're in, the, if you're in Nairobi or behind a computer, you can say all the good reasons why, oh, it's expensive to connect them and they're not profitable to be powered or people don't have any electronics to, what they're even doing with the electricity in the first place. If you're poor, you're living ah. off a dollar a day. Oh, those what are they doing with the electricity in the first place? Jeez. Those are the arguments oh, against, vicious. hey, I'm telling you why rural electrification is a difficult problem to solve. I'm not right. saying- You're not oh saying it's your goodness. opinion. You're saying that's oh what people goodness. say. That's not what Bankwale Makonju is saying. That's what other people <laughs> hey. say. Hey, anyways. <laughs> if that's um, the tone, what you say uh, about the episodes? If that's the tone uh, you want to take. <laughs> that is exactly. If that's, if that's the tone you want to take after the start. Back uh, to the topic. Rural electrification is a difficult problem to solve. In some ways, there are places that are hilly, like mountainous or difficult to reach, or plains that maybe off-grid is actually the better solution for them. Maybe they shouldn't be connected to the grid. That's actually mm -hmm. a point of distinction. Maybe 100% may not be the perfect answer for many places, but they should have yeah. some access to electricity, either on-grid, off-grid, or otherwise. I think that some, maybe the summary of this section is Africa, depending on the country, has two, two, two flavors of that problem. 
being right. connected to another the layer and being and, and having access when you're connected. Yeah, another layer which we'll talk about is there are businesses that need electricity and they're regular consumers that need electricity. So this problem cuts across both and it's particularly a problem for businesses because your costs are higher. You either have to find some alternate way to get power. It doesn't only affect regular people, even though Mcopa is primarily a B2C company, as you'll see as it evolves, there are businesses that, that, that really face this issue. Okay, let the party begin. Finally, finally, we're about to start. I'll set the scene, then I'll pass over to Bank Holly. Our story begins 2011-ish, let's just say 2010, 2011, 2012, around that time. There are a lot of different things happening around the world. Very exciting. Microsoft launched Windows 8. Hell yeah. Great operating system. Worst Windows, Windows ever. Phone <laughs> no comments. Windows Phone 8 and the Surface Tablet. Big fan of Surface Tablets. I use them for a lot of years. Sli First slightly, slightly better than Windows ME. Sorry, Windows Mini. Jesus. Wow, you still talk about that. That was like 10 seconds ago. Okay. I'm still um, hurt. Apple... Jeez, okay, Apple dropped Google Maps and launched iOS 6 with Apple Maps, which faced a lot of criticism. I remember that very well. There was a whole kerfuffle about that. Whatever. That Yahoo was 12 years hired, ago. Yeah, oh, yes, that was a lot of things have happened. Yahoo hired Marissa Mayer to be the new CEO. She came from Google. It seemed like that happened decades ago. Apparently, that was only like 10, 12 years ago. Anyway, all that fun stuff was happening in tech around the world. Not super relevant for us today. This is Africa tech, affordability time. What, what do we care about? What was happening in Kenya? Limited access to electricity, like we said, specifically a problem in rural areas. Many households, not only was it expensive for them to get access to, to energy, they ended up using alternate sources, kerosene lamps, diesel generators, poor access, limited access, a little bit unsafe to use some of those things because of potential for skin burns, for fires. This ended up being a problem, not just for regular consumers, but also for businesses who had higher input costs. That's the context under which 2010, 2011, 2012, Encopa yeah. was founded. Before I get into Encopa, I want to spare a minute for kerosene lamps. So in fact, for this episode, <laughs> if you have not used those kerosene lamps, I was reading this thing about the, maybe I'll talk about it later, I think I have it somewhere in my notes, about the amount of it's like smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. It's what it is just being in a living room with a kerosene lamp burning or something. Are you serious? Like that. Yeah. Wow. And you, you find a lot of people in Africa have lung cancer disease who have never smoked before because of the the exposed kerosene lamps. It's smoky. Wow. It's, it messes up the walls. They're difficult to maintain. You have to keep cleaning the wig. Oh, my goodness. Like, also, potential to burn your whole house down. It's a risk. If it just falls over, that's the end. The, you know what? I'm just, I'm, guys, this is a trauma response, okay? Okay, let's talk about wow. our, a trauma response to Kerosene Lamps. Let's talk about Mcopa Fauna early history. Okay, I'll get into it. I'll give some quick background. It's very difficult to talk about Mcopa without MPESA or Safaricom. Some quick background about that, the founders, and some of the context around the launch. If you want to listen to episode on Safaricom, it's episode six, one of the first episodes we did, one of pretty fun. Safaricom, as a quick refresher, Kenya's largest telco, partly government mm, monopoly. Maybe a third. Monopoly. They also own M-Pesa, closed mobile money system, primarily in Kenya and a few African countries. M-Pesa is a mm -hmm. definitional payments layer in in Kenya. I think if you if you listen to this podcast, you definitely know what M-Pesa is. But I I, yes. I was thinking about this is it's like if everybody used PayPal to pay for groceries and gas at a gas station. Right. And to pay your friend back for dinner. M-Pesa is the payments layer in, 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 in Kenya. It processes up to a quarter of their GDP and half of their revenue. So, actually, Bankole, at some point in the future, we want to do an affordability episode about the impact of M-Pesa. Because at first glance, it seems very, very positive. But actually, as you go deeper and deeper, 
some of its practices actually have some negative outcomes on the Kenyan market. If you look at Kenya fintech sector when M-Pesa started, it was like, well, because of M-Pesa, it's so far ahead of the rest of the mm-hmm. world, but now it's stagnated because of monopoly power. Something to think about for later, not about not for this episode, but some potential negative aspects, even though it sounds so wonderful. So right. for we'll future. Just, we'll just get Samora on to just tell us all the things he hates. <laughs> I feel like every time we talk to Kenyan founders, we get some M-Pesa slander, and I'm sure it's all yeah. over. They say it in conversations. I don't see many articles about it. They just talk in low voices about the M-Pesa slander. <laughs> if you're listening and you know that like, oh, M-Pesa is, the, is, is everything. It's a cat's pajamas and everything. But like, nah, depends on who you ask. Anyways, now that's that's a context. That's a firecom. That's M-Pesa. It will all make sense in a second. M-Copa, the business we're talking about today. M-Copa was founded by Jesse Moore, who's the CEO now. Nick Hughes, the founder of M-Pesa. And Chad Lawson, who was the chief credit officer for many years. The founding team sort of stayed together in M-Pesa. M-Copa up until recently. So... I'll start with Jesse Moore, who's the CEO. I'll call him Jesse, whether he likes it or not. Good friends, of course. Friends, Babs, right? Jesse. Jesse. We'll all roll together. I know. Please, please don't email me or do. I don't know. Yeah, um, all of us roll together in our Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah. So Jesse, it's Can- he's Canadian, went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. After graduation, he went back to Canada, got a job at a nonprofit. <laughs> A non-profit organization that fights poverty, global poverty. Oh, that's why. Well, did he study work. something related to that? I wasn't sure actually. I couldn't figure out what he studied. Okay, because typically people that get into those kinds of professions, they do something related to like international relations or something. Yeah. Okay, cool. I couldn't figure okay. it out. But he joined a non-profit, and at a non-profit, he started a group at a non-profit that supports social enterprises, trying to create jobs. Did that for a few years, which is great, and that's what he did. What you do? What does what do you do all over there? What do you do? When you don't have any money, you go to business wait, school to start a fresh. Wait, what, for a few years, what do you do? <laughs> You're like, exactly. look, my career, is, my career is going sideways. I need to get exactly. more money. Let me go to business school and hope for the right best. thing. He did the right thing. <laughs> he, he enrolled in the MBA program at Oxford. Got it with distinction. And this is important. Also at Oxford, he met Chad Larson. They were also yes. at M- Oxford right. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, after his MBA, he... He worked at GSMA Development Fund. Great, great company. Great source of data. Yeah, really good data source. Of course, G- GSMA. That's the they have all the mobile mobile data. Great. Yeah, it was GSMA for a while. Twenty ten was when he joined Mpesa. And okay, can I just have a sidebar, please, for my own yes. mental health? All data sources where you have export as Excel or export as like thank thank you God because like otherwise CSV. it's complete shit. So big shout out to to that. Yes, yeah, CSV. Thank yeah. you. Very, very useful. Yes, I mean, thank, thank you for all your help. Yeah. So, Chad Larson, co-founder, chief credit officer for MCOPA until 2019. Mm-hmm. Great title, chief credit officer. I know, it's great. Like, everything is your fault. It's like, what else is everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's it doesn't like, matter. You're the credit officer. Like, if you go bankrupt, you only have one like person a, to play. Like a pure lending company or chief credit officer. Like, I should be CEO, bro. Like, I don't know what else. What are you guys doing? HR? What is this? Yo, yeah, can I just... It's, it's like people... This, there's a title that's like a chief revenue officer that's becoming more popular. And I'm like, wait, chief... The first time I was like, what does this person do? Chief revenue officer, they're in charge of sales, yeah. <laughs> marketing, customer support. I'm like, wait, wait, you're the CEO. <laughs> if I'm doing yeah. the selling, marketing is worth it. What, what does everyone else do to the company? Yeah. HR, HR. So shout out to HR. all my... Facility, <laughs> facility management, stocking up medical kitchens. Oh, shout man. out to all my CROs out there. You, you're the next in line to be CEO. Don't let anyone next screw in line. you. <laughs> next in line. Nobody knows what anything else is happening in the company except you. Anyways, Charles Lasting was oh, a trader, trading derivatives, structured products. Also Oxford mm. MBA, same time. Again, he worked in Bank of America and he did what you do, which is go to business school. Get paid. Yep. And he went to Oxford. And then after Oxford, he joined a microfinance investment fund. 
Africa Microfinance Investment Fund for a couple of years. I'm trying to just tease up up onto the time, the start. I'm Koba. I'm Koba. Nick Hughes, founder of Mpesa, listened to a Safaricom episode. All around great guy. Had it there for Mpesa, incubated everything Safaricom blew up. Yeah. But this is how they oh, But by the way, yeah. uh, another, I just love sidebars and affordability. Yes. The story of him founding Mpesa within the Safaricom hole is similar to the story of like InterSwitch and like doing a project and spinning that out. The only difference is InterSwitch became its own company, but this Mpesa is just a product within within Safaricom, but yeah. similar. Because when we say founder, it's not like he had a startup idea, raised venture funding. No, he just, he, he's like the product lead at Safaricom doing Mpesa. It's not the same way we use founder these days. It's yeah. the same thing with Mitch, right? So it's not like Mitch yeah. went to get VC funding. Mitch was doing a project, so quite, quite similar. Or Mohi Brahim and his consultancy that he left to start Celtel. Exactly. Another example. Thank you. And Celtel for the audience, that links back to our Airtel episode. Take a listen. Anyways, two of the founders, Jesse and Chad, were at Oxford together, which is just like a great thing. Olumide went to Hell Oxford, yeah. by the way, in case you guys don't know. Yes. Maybe I'd have been them co founder if I just had a year, man. Ah, I hear you, here you are be on a podcast talking, talking crap about the guys from Oxford. shit. Club. I would have <laughs> been paid. Now I'm here earning $0 from Affability. No shade, no shade. Anyway, fine. Be, it's all be, good. You should be at Oxford. Anyways, two of the founders, <clears> Jesse and Chad, were at Oxford together. They first met Nick in 2007 when he came to Oxford to give a talk about the mobile money project he was developing in, in Kenya. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called M-Pesa, but that's how they met. Jesse kept in touch with Nick, who worked with, and then and worked with him on a summer project in 2007. So spent a summer at Safaricom and pesa mm -hmm. at the time. And then they had an idea like, oh, let's start something, right? A so business Nick, school. No, 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 no. This is 2009, 2010. They finished 2007. Uh, and then Jesse went to do my, my micro microfinance or micro investment fund. I'm going to butcher that. I'm sure I have. And of course, Nick was still running Mpesa or still at Mpesa. Oh, okay. Banco, a quick question about the timeline. That means yeah. I got my timeline all school. That means they graduated before I did. So what year were they at Oxford? Oh, together? 2007. 2007. 2008. So that one year gap. And then no, they six, met. Six to seven. Six to seven. 2006, 2007. Got it. And then when did they meet Nikus? He came to school with them. 2007. Okay, got it. Okay. To give a talk on seven. So Makes early sense. days of Mpesa, right? Okay. And Fascinating. Basically, they went to do other jobs. Of Jess was GSMA. Chad was at Microfinance Investment Fund. And Nick Hughes just continued to run Impesa. Yeah, and they stayed in touch. And then they had an idea to come together. There's a quote from this Bloomberg article that I will post in the show notes. Hughes and Moore had three criteria for the company they wanted to build. It had to involve mobile technology, an area in which mm -hmm. they both had experience. Fair. Because mm -hmm. it was a GSMA. It was at M M M-Pesa. It had to right. solve what they called a massive pain point for the very poor. It's good. Right. Good goal to have. Makes sense. And they had to believe it would one day become a billion dollar business. Okay. Which is a quote, quote for check. we have to get rich off it. That makes sense. Check, check, check. Billion dollar valuation business. Right. Has to mm -hmm. be, I hope. I don't know. Yes. That, yes. Hopefully not revenue. <laughs> then that's yeah. like multi-billion company. I'm that evidence. They incorporated in October 2011 and worked towards the 2012 mm -hmm. launch of a commercial product. Fascinating. They're like, we they had that idea. We need to start a business and they just kept in touch and then they decided to do something. Jesse, Chad, and Nick. What do you think about the criteria business. they used to come up with the business, the, the three they used? As long as it makes them happy, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good or bad. <laughs> so like non-answer. Non I'm not saying good or bad. Like I said, what do you think of it? 
I'd oh, say, I, what do you think of it? I didn't say whether it's good or bad. You're just giving a very rough answer. It's just, what, what are your thoughts on it, man? Not it's a good, good criteria. It's a good criteria. Yeah. It's also, or maybe put it, maybe put it differently. It's a good story. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. If, if you believe any article that's written 10 years after their founding, it's 100% bullshit. But actually, in this case, to, to be honest, it makes sense yeah. because they, they knew someone who was at Mpesa. Number one yeah. is like, had to use mobile technologies, just a code yeah. way of saying, have to work with Nick. And then number two, massive pain points, of course, for the poor, I don't know about that part. And then the last part, of course, has to be a big business. So it makes sense. I was just joking when I said it's bullshit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, it's true. It's all good. Definitely yeah. makes sense. So that's how they started. They decided what they wanted to do. They came up with the idea for this PS2 Go Solar thing. And yes. they had a very simple system. I think it would be solar panel, battery, Oh, Duncan, before we talk before we talk about it, do you know they tried other things before they, they did that? You want to talk about that? I thought that was, no, they had no, other pilots that fit the criteria. Okay, oh, no, so this is this. strangely not fully reported in some articles, but they tried two different, pro well, three projects, one of which was Mkopa. Banco will talk about Mkopa just now, but they first of all tried a healthcare hotline in India, which is bizarre. It's like, that's odd. Funny enough, healthcare hotline sounds a little bit similar to Reliance Health, when it was Kankwe, but that was yeah. telechat. Anyway, they also tried a mobile phone savings and loan account product in Kenya, which I was like, savings and loan account sounds very, very similar to M-Pesa, but at the time, M-Pesa was just doing money transfers, not savings and loans, a little bit different. And then the third one was solar power, pay-as-you-go solar, which was in Copa. That's when they finally picked on, but they tried a few other ones. Cool. Yeah, dude. Interesting. The India I mean, angle is so odd, man. India, they wouldn't have taken advantage of Safaricom at all, which is odd. That was, wasn't going to go anywhere. You don't, you don't know who people know now. Oxford MBA people. people. How many Indian people in the class? <laughs> Shout out. Shout out they to my friends. Now. Okay. They know people. Right, right, right. Okay. Ah, you know people now. People ah. know people now. Okay. Okay. Anyways. So anyway, so, I'm talking to you. You're going to say the Amkopa no, no. original Go setup. Ahead. Yeah. Going out with the, with the PSU Go Solar idea is your battery, a solar, a solar panel, I think two lights or three lights and mm -hmm. the rechargeable radio, I think. Yes. They had a yes. very simple package to start when they started it. And that was where they started. Yes. Basically, yes, it was the initial. Yeah, over time, they've modified the product offering a little bit. It was solar panel, charger, lights, radio, and then and then a, a SIM card. And the way it worked was, the customers would have an initial upfront payments, which was a small amounts, yeah. 30 40 ish dollars. Then they'd pay a daily amounts, 30 40 50 cents for a year. And then with the daily amounts, you would have power switched on. And then if you didn't pay, but could remotely put off your, your solar panels. That's the way it works in simple yeah. English. You know what's funny about this as I went through the prep is this is actually technically not pay as you go solar. Because you're not paying for the solar as you go, you're paying for the device as you go. Therefore, you cannot stop consumption. Most kind of electricity, you can turn it off for two days, three days and be like, I don't have, and I don't, I can't afford to pay for electricity in this month. Therefore, no heat. As I'm sitting in the cold in the Seattle winter, Talking about this, right? We're not doing heat this month. <laughs> it was a tough December in Lagos. We're just not doing heat. We just have blankets. We have jackets. But I can do that, right? But you cannot do that with PS to go solar. You're like, you're in, bro. Like, you're in. You have to Yes, I, I guess you to turn home. it off is to not pay. If you travel, 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 travel for a month, you still yeah. got to pay. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you now. The people living in rural areas are not traveling anywhere. Let me just be the first person to tell you that. They don't they're, go to they're chilling. Out? <laughs> no, no, no. They're chilling in Kenya rural areas. But it, it, it's a good point. But, I will say, I like the that's fact... That's an important point. Sorry, sorry, very quickly, just last thing on that. That's an important point that will come to like how you evaluate the business or compare it to like a utility, which it is not. Very interesting. Definitely not. Yeah. I, I like the overall package of radio, solar panel, charger, 
And we'll talk about their sales strategy later. I like the fact that they had actual salespeople going to the villages, talking to them, doing that. It affects the costs, but overall, it's made sense as a launch strategy. Um, yeah, I felt iffy, jumping forward a bit, I felt iffy about the cost. And I thought, I mean, you don't know what the costs are. Those things can just be bundled in and end up being zero if labor is cheap. Like, it just seems expensive right. to have like 2,000 labor, 2,000 salespeople, but you got to trust the CCO to do the right, right. Right. customer acquisition costs and all of that stuff. And it depends on the salary and payment terms. Maybe the incentives are you yeah. only get paid when you do sales, in which case yeah. the costs are basically attributed to the revenue. So it depends on the details. Okay, okay, let's give some more details about the launch strategy. On the customer side, we already said customers would get that package we mentioned earlier. They'd make an upfront payment. They'd make daily payments for a year. Then they would get the device after the year. Done. Partnership side, Mcopa formed partnerships with different telcos, most notably Safaricom, obviously. In fact, they're so tied to Safaricom. On our Safaricom episode, we're saying these work like affiliates or partners. Second thing, sales and distribution, they had a direct sales model. Sales agents would go door to door. We mentioned that financing side, we spoke about that. Customer support side, Mcopa offered 24-7 customer support. Users could call or text to get updates, all that good stuff. That's basically their launch strategy and how they finally launched in 2011, 2012-ish. Just to grab up a section, three co-founders, two were at Oxford together, both from many different backgrounds, nonprofit, finance, and deep Kenya and Pesa background, South Akron background. Men in business school, two men in business school, men a third one, very similar to the, what's that cat? And the Jassy story, like Jeff Bezos came to Harvard, make a talk, drove him to the airport, now he's CEO of Amazon, didn't hey, drive anybody to the airport, it's clearly doing business school wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just bought a damn car, dude. Anyways, so that's, they started that business and they launched through these partnerships. I think one thing to remember about how this works is you they have sales agents, they have registered dealers. I'll go into this a bit more in detail. You go, you get the you choose your package, you get the device you want. But a lot of what they built or what they said they built was the payment integration with this existing payment infrastructure, right? Why did why is this so connected to M-Pesa? It's because now through M-Pesa, through the same account, you register with your M-Pesa number, they can remove everything from the source and turn it off through the SIM card. That was from Safaricom as well, that allowed remote control. They built a bunch of those things as well. That's what I started with, or that's where they are now. I don't know how advanced they would have been at the, at the pilot stage, but that's how they launched. And it seemed to be a viable business as of 2012. Yeah. And then they started and, raising um, money. <laughs> and then they started raising money. One thing about startups and new businesses is a question you have to understand and think about is what's the why now? Why are you doing this startup now? Why are you doing this product now? Why, what's changed? So in this specific instance, I'm sure they would say the why now is, look, Safaricom has started this thing called M-Pesa, which enables mobile payments in a way that wasn't really feasible before. And if you have mobile yeah. payments and the mobile accounts, it means the need for someone to take cash and go and pay somewhere mm-hmm. else is obfuscated. Yeah. And with the SIM card, you can register a specific account number to a specific payment model. There's just a lot of different things that have changed. Yeah. And they had a relationship with Nikus, who was the yeah. quote-unquote founder of Impesa. It just made sense for a while now. Yeah, it's actually crazy because we talk about this in our PTV episode. I remember very clearly about this time in Nigeria, you join a line to pay for DSTV every month, which is insane. You take the cash for DSTV. You have to take your smart card with you as well. I'll write a smart card number. I think I used to have my smart card number DSTV saved on my phone and go pay cash to pay for stuff. Imagine trying to do that at a lower scale with pay as you go solar and go get money from rural farmers Impossible. and spread out across. And it would just not work Impossible. without something like, without that payment layer. The why now was very linked to and based on making the collections and administration. So network availability, payments availability, making the collection yes. administration automated, you can, in theory, scale to a lot more users and be, and what's that, 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 that meme? It's like profit is the next step. 
<laughs> it's a South Park one. Something, something, question mark, question mark, profit. Okay, let's profit. do it. Fundraising yeah, and and geo growth over time. I'll talk about this. What's the high level? High level summary is Mkopa has raised between 200 and 300 million dollars in 12-ish years. Mm-hmm. As of this recording in 2023, January. They've had a mix of institutional investors, some corporate investors, some foundations, some endowments. They've had a mix of equity and debts. Before I go into all the details, just go- it's good to know that the reason they've had the endowments of the foundations is because they do have a development story, development angle. They're a little bit different than some of the companies we've spoken about, and they've raised a lot of money, which shows they're having either some traction or some good ability to sell. So that's the high level. Now, let's go into the actual details. I'll blitz through this because it has the potential to be boring, but we'll try not to bore you. Okay, 2011 October, Series A, undisclosed amount, probably relatively mm-hmm. small because they just started. 2012 December. Also undisclosed amount Series B, probably a little bit getting higher at this point because they had some traction. Even though we don't know the numbers, we know both rounds were led by Great Ghost Ventures, which is not a venture firm we've heard a lot about in Afroability. Maybe not a, a venture firm that's made that many African investments. Okay, finally, so some numbers. 2014 February, they had a debt financing of $20 million from the Commercial Bank of Africa. $20 million already. That's already mm-hmm. a, a lot of money. Also in 2014 February, Great Ghost put in $19 million in the Series C. Grey Ghost was in Series A, B, C. And in 2014, they had an equity plus debt financing. The way debt financing typically works is we do it in combination with equity financing. So in 2014, if you combine the $20 million debt and the $19 million equity, they had $39 million. Already a lot of money. Yeah, this, this goes without saying on the debt, right? This is also one of the things to talk about later when we talk about the businesses. They have to give you the solar panel and the TV and the chargers oh. and the rechargeable radio up front where you of course, they must buy it. for it. They must buy right. it up front. That money needs to come from somewhere. Unless of course. I let, I've ever learned it was just accounting. It's actually brilliant. <laughs> that money has to come from somewhere. And then you pay in steps, in increments, daily increments, to return right. the money that they've already given you for what you've paid for. And hopefully they get to keep some of the spread for profit. But in order to, to fund that growth, equity has become very, very expensive. If they believe that they had these credit high repayment rates, which they said they had, they had to rely on debt. Way more than, I don't know, like Paystack would have had to or Fortuary would have had to. Or Correct. Typical yes. tech startup would have had to. That's why they raised so much debt, even though they were only founded three years before. They were founded 2011, 2012-ish, but they already raised $20 million of debt two years later, of course, because they needed the money, like Bancoli said. Okay, that was the February 2014, and that was the Series C. So 2015, a year later, Series D, and they had a bunch of notable people here. So they had LGT Venture Philanthropy. Okay, mm-hmm. $12.5 million Series D. They also had an, they also had Steve Case in the round. Nice. Yes, you see the former CEO of AOL, unbelievable. They had Virgin Group in the, in the round, obviously Richard Branson's company, and they had general investment management. So they had a bunch of different generation, people in the round right? giving. Generation, yes. Did I say general? General Atlantic yeah. is a completely different company. Yeah. Generation, that's Al <laughs> yeah. Gore. That's Al Gore. Correct. Al Gore, the homie. Correct. The homie Gore. Correct. Yes, Al Gore. Big fan of affability, Al Gore. Okay, no, but in more serious <laughs> news, 2016 became another crazy year of fundraising. Four million debts, as they do. 11.6 million Series D from CDC. They already had a Series D before. Let's just say Series D. And then they got another 6.3 million. Let's just say four plus 11 plus six. They raised around 20 million. And by the way, CDC is obviously not the Center for Disease Control. That's not, it's not the CDC. 
<laughs> that became famous during COVID. This is the CDC, which was later rebranded to BII. It's the development finance group for the UK government. It's now known as the British mm-hmm. International Investment Group, BII. But anyway, 2016, they raised a lot more money. 2017, CDC came back again to, to give them $7 million, and they raised a massive $80 million debt round. Incredible. I don't think on Afrobill we've ever seen almost $100 million of debt raising. Uh, uh, Thrive are Greek now. Or Move. Ooh. They thrive raise a lot of debt. Move also. We haven't done Move yet. We haven't done Move now. So we can't count, we can't count Move. But yeah, Thrive are Greek. Okay, 2017, $80 million in debt, $7 million in equity. 2018, they raised between $10 and $50 million. Again, from CDC. CDC has been in three straight rounds now. And then most recent... Oh, man. There's, there's, they've raised so much money. It's even hard to keep track of it. Most recently, 2022 March about a year ago, because this recording is 2023, February, they raised $75 million. $75 million from a combination of different people. Generation Investment Management came back again from before. CDC Group, aka BII, came back again. LGT came back again. Basically, a lot of new, a lot of the same investors came back, specifically was led by Generation Investment Management. Yes, exactly. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah. I was going to say, the thing that I was going to the fundraising is, Dude, people, re- there was a kind of universal acceptance that this was a great business. Or oh, there is a universal yes. acceptance a great business. Like Supposedly. They, they, they got a lot of, let me see, do you know something that? No, no. I, I, all, all I can say is there are a lot of positive signals. CDC was in yeah. three to five rounds, depending on how you count it. Generation, Generation investment. investment Management was in three to four rounds, depending on yeah. how you count it. LGT was in four rounds. The yeah. fact the same investors come back means they see some positive trends. Yeah, some growth, and they're putting in bigger and bigger amounts, right? If you want to borrow their conviction, it, it seems like a good sign. And, and it's gen- there seems to be a generally accepted notion that this is a great business, but it always looks easy peasy from the outside end. I'm sure that's the team. They'd be like... Many times we yeah. almost died or whatever. But yeah, they raised a yeah. lot of money there. That's the summary of the fundraising. Yeah, they raised a lot of money. And it was just so, like I said at the jump, diverse. Some equity, some debt, some corporate investors, some foundations, some institutions, some governments, FDIs. Intriguing, cool. We'll come back to that later when we talk, talk about this summary. Okay, geo expansion. They started in Kenya, like you said, when we, we started. 2013, they expanded to Uganda, Eastern Bloc, mm-hmm. like you do. 2019, they started to dip their toes in Nigeria. Eventually, in, 20, in 2021, July, they announced a full expansion to Nigeria. They did a test pilot, yada, yada. And then in 2021, they started to do a pilot in Ghana as well, which means as of today, they're in those four geos, Nigeria, yeah. Uganda, Kenya, and then a little bit of Ghana, although Ghana is yeah. a pilot. Mm-hmm. I saw any. I saw an earlier article where they asked the CEO why, this is maybe 2013, 2014, why not Nigeria, right? Like if you're doing well. Because mm-hmm. Nigeria also doesn't have power, also has a lot of things. Yeah. You, even, you, don't, I, I can, you don't even have to be I can tell you the real answer. <laughs> What's the real answer? Nigerians are mad at me. <laughs> No, 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 they're like, they're like three different levels. The first level is they already had the Safaricom relationship. Obviously, they're going to be in countries where Safaricom is doing well. Number two, the Nigerian government, how do I say this in a nice way? Okay, let's just be honest. Nigerian government subsidizes the actual costs of kerosene. So like, yeah. you can't really compete, right? You're actually jacked up. You're, you're competing against the government, which has infinite money. Those are the two things. And the third thing is, let's be very honest and blunt. Nigeria is way harder to do business than Kenya. Add those two things together. No Safaricom, Kenya's, uh, the government's artificially yeah. reducing the price and it's a harder place to do business. You don't need to be a genius. You didn't start there. Yeah, but I don't know so, what he actually so, but, said, but that's the truth. The, those, the, it, was, <laughs> was, it was honestly strange enough was watched to that effect. It was mainly about the, the subsidy above all. Oh, he didn't say the rest of it. <laughs> it was, no, no, subsidy. No, no, no. I can't say it. You want to, you want to insult me? <laughs> Let Adrias find your social media. He said I did mad. He said I did crazy. 
Did I? I'll post this thing. Just a weird sidebar of this commentator. I saw on this my favorite Instagram account is called Gala Twitter. This mm. person posted an insult. Not even an insult. She was just doing an interview. She's talking about some church in in Ghana, and the there was a sliding tackle sidebar that just went after all of our crowd. Though it was hilarious. But I'll post in the comments. Look out for that one. It's funny. Anyways, huh. okay, okay. <laughs> you, you, you were gonna, you were gonna say, say something. Did you finish your train of thought on that? No, no, on, like, no I finished. I finished. Finish. Uh, geography, yeah. Geograph- geographic expansion on that. And yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that. You may think it's a little bit odd to hear the government subsidize the prices of different petroleum products. Number one, it's not odd. It's actually quite common. Number two, in Nigeria specifically, it's not just kerosene. It's all petroleum products, even fuel. And the government's been trying to remove the subsidies for the past. 15 to 20 years, almost impossible. I know you may be thinking, oh, maybe they overreacted. Maybe the subsidies would go away. No, even when they made the decision in 2011 to now, the subsidies are still there. So it's probably a, a good decision because how are you going to fight government coffers? But anyway, that's I a have, different rant. So have, we can go on that. I have attended subsidy protests. The previous, ah, like, that's, how, that's how long they've tried to remove subsidy. <laughs> I have been on the streets smashing for subsidy removal. Nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's not Many even a slight ago. discount. It's a, it's a massive discount. Okay, anyway, coming back on topic. Let's come back on topics. Those, those are the countries they're currently in what countries yeah. they plan to expand to so copa had a 2021 report impact report and here are the countries they say they wanted to expand to so egypt ethiopia tanzania zambia south africa cameroon and cote d'ivoire aka ivory coast they have a lot of countries on the expansion list most notably to also affordability south africa and egypt massive markets make sense i don't know about south africa i do know egypt has like it has a lot of people. It has a lot of low-income people. It has some a lot of people living in rural areas, but I know they have high access to electricity. Maybe they're going to offer other products there because as the story evolves, you'll see the pay-as-you-go solar is no longer such a big part of their, they can their dam, business. They can dam a lot of rivers. They have cheap electricity. They can dam a bunch Correct. of stuff. Right. Okay, so partnerships, nothing really major on partnerships. Typically, we would talk about telcos. that, but in this case, we'll, we'll leave it. Yeah, the telco one, we already spoke about the Safaricom one. We use MTM we'll money it. in other markets, same thing. Correct. Some markets, Yeah. same thing. Yeah, but basically, because their payments model is so dependent on SIM and account numbers and mobile money, they quickly partner mm-hmm. with telcos to get the payment mechanisms set up. All right, team strategy. This one I thought was cool. We're not going to talk about Ghana as much because Ghana is still in test pilot. Okay, a quiz time. Which country has the most amount of people, m- amount of employees, and Copa employees? Oh. Super easy. Kenya, no. Okay, for, and the second? Nigeria, no. Ah, Uganda. And then Nigeria, third. Okay, percent of women <laughs> the work on Copa? Hmm. 50% or 55%. Ha, huh, intriguing. Okay, it used to be, actually, it's always, it's always been 50%. Percentage of women in leadership positions in Copa. I gotta find an old chart. Maybe seventy. Just no, just no. It's not our Brazilian oh. friends, New Bank. Oh, <laughs> it's oh, not New yeah, Bank it's levels. Thirty like percent now. Oh, yes, yes, it's, yeah. it's exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like thirty percent. Okay, basically, the, the key thing to know about their team setup is majority of employees in Kenya, followed by Uganda, then Nigeria. Ghana literally has sixteen people because mm-hmm. they're only doing the pilot. They only have two thousand employees. But that's increased a lot because they had, yeah, because they only had 900 in 2019. 2000, is it a lot? Is it little? It depends on what you're thinking. Because then, how much is Stripe like? We can't compare Twitter to to this now. No, but my point is this is an operations business. Fair, fair. I give him that. But even, I just use that as a sense of scale. Like maybe, maybe if you employ it to revenue, but not quite the same thing. 
It's fine. That's yes, 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 yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. And also, I, I forgot to mention this. The number of people I said 2,000 doesn't include the sales agents because those aren't, they're not directly working for, for, for them. Okay. Hmm. And then with that, on the people side, in order to expand into Nigeria, they did hire Babajide Drushola, who used to work as Safe Boda on our Safe Boda episode. And that really helped the expansion plan. That's one notable hire they made in 2021-ish when they were going to come into Nigeria. Okay. And then finally, I'll close talking about some of the metrics. So revenue, 2014. Well, oh, actually, you should guess. You want to guess the revenue? I think you may already have the number. No, so $30 million. $30 million. I think I have it somewhere. $30 million. I think I have it somewhere. 2014, 15. And then 2015, oh. 30. Yes, it doubled yeah. from 15 to 30 in one year, hence all the fundraising. And then 2016, the plan was to go to $45 million, but they stopped reporting at that point. So quite high-ish revenues. If we do typical multiples, well, this is an operations business. We probably have shittier multiples, but let's just say okay. five to 10X, they're probably hundreds of millions of dollars valuation. Quite a valuable company. Let me bust your brain. 2014, how much are they raised total? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You're talking about like yeah, 100 so million, right? So what is the we, cost we of that revenue? It. That's a kind of interesting thing, right? We, we have 2014, 2014 February, they raised between 20 and $30 million. But should we count the debt? Man, man. Yes, and now. It's the debt that is funding the growth. The debt is what I want you to count. The debt is what is funding the okay, growth. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, this is where it's complicated. 2014, February, they raised money. But then that 2014 revenue number, maybe for the whole year, they raised money in the middle of the year. A bit tricky to compare. But anyway, as of 2014, February, if you count the debt, they'd raised between 40 and 50 million. So shit By the way, By the way, I saw $50 million, right? By the way, I saw an interview mm -hmm. in 2015 that Chad Larson, Chad, close friends call him Chad, that of Chad course. gave, where he said... 20% of the money they had raised up to that point was grant money as well, which is not really full. We don't even have the full number because Crunchbase depends on what's reported. So you're looking at significant amounts of money that they've raised and therefore maybe the 15 or 30 million don't then seem as big. That's what I was just trying to provide a balanced point of view, which is 30 million revenue Fair. for a startup is just massive. But if they spent $60 million to get $30 million of revenue and they burned through all that debt or whatever they raised to get $30 million of revenue, you have to yes. ask they just... And... And normally, when you think of revenue, and let's just use ARR, right? So recurring revenue, that'd be like a subscription that goes on for the lifetime of the, of the customer. The problem, I'm, I know, I'm I know where you're going giving to. the answer I know now. Where you're going the problem, to. the fundamental problem with them, Copa's former business model pay as you go is, so the person pays for a year, right? After the year, they now own it. What then? It goes to zero. There's no more revenue. Now, and Copa will tell you, oh, we're going to sell them additional sell lifestyle them. Yeah. complete bullshit the problem is it's not a regular recurring revenue because that's the end of it the customer doesn't have to do anything else and every other thing they sell is a nice to have the electricity was the main thing for the customer so yeah the revenue is highish but not recurring based on high debt tbd to be talked yeah. about later also like a 24 month warranty after the one year it's all oh. cost oh <laughs> Anyways, Anyways so okay, the, okay. Back to the revenue point you were making. Yeah, so that's the revenue part. And then I'll talk about the number of customers they've had over time, then I'll pass it to the bank. 2014, 100,000 customers. Or we should say, let's say households, mm. not customers, households. Mm. 2015, 220,000 households. 2015, December, the other number I gave was August, 280,000 households. Somewhere, somewhere between 2016 and 2018. And then in 2020 Q4, they had 1 million households. The numbers are going up. 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, a million, high-ish in 2020, but it depends on what you're comparing to. And then finally, 2020 Q4, they, they announced they had 2 million customers. So, yes. so the number of customers has been going up. It took eight years to reach its first million customers. It only required 18 right. months to acquire a second million. Right. Bang, bang. 
boom, boom. Although, what are we comparing to the first couple of years where pay-as-you-go households, later on it's individuals buying phones. So I don't know if I would trust those numbers. You don't know, are you, okay, anyways. Because if you look at their reporting, it goes from households, 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 to customers. customers, customers. So is it yeah. apples to apples? I don't think so because of the business Having model. But 2.5x growth of new customers from 2020 to 2021. Right. But it's That's... different customers. It's not households. People buying phones. The ratio okay. is, is comparing apples to oranges. It's just cheating. I wouldn't even count it. It's, it's like me, me, me telling you, maybe we should try to be nice to them. The reason I, I don't want us to no, leave you, the numbers you is... No, you should try to be nice. I am it's, nice. It's, you it's extremely, check yourself. But it's extremely different, right? A household buying solar power pays you go, even than an individual buying a phone. It's literally completely different. Like, it's okay. apples oranges. Okay, let me play devil's advocate. Like, why is it different? It's the same. It's a stream of cash flows. Are the cash flows riskier? Is one riskier than the other? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. You can't say that. I, I feel like from Emco's perspective, it's not different at all. Why is it different? It's a it stream is, of cash flows. It, it, it is different because the story you tell is different. One story is based on our new business model, we got a lot more customers. That's true. But that's not, we changed something in our former business model that made us acquire customers faster. No, it's different. It's a new, the reason for the growth is the new business model. That's the story. That's the reason you need to understand the underlying point is then you know what the story is. It's not like, oh, more households are to get solar panels. No, that's it's right. that people wanted phones. Anyway, hopefully, with that. Hopefully, gener generation, generation knows the story. Before, before we move on to the, <laughs> to the, to the, yeah, I'll go that's definitely. Funny, before we move on to the product strategy and stuff, I want to talk about repayment rates, right? So one thing they talked about a lot when we're on the metrics, one thing they talked about a lot early on is how these customers are seen to be poor or low credit risk. Everybody thought they would lose money when they started a business, all of that stuff. And they said repayment rates are, I saw this from a Bloomberg article, which I'll post in the show notes. Repayment rates is 93% for the solar solar system nice. and 98% for, for secondary products. And I started thinking, is that high or low? So I looked up US credit cards, not net charge off rates. Mm -hmm. Zero point. What do you think they are for the US, by the way? A very oh, you already mistakenly said it, unfortunately. I would have, I would not have guessed it. It's you said 0. 0. 0.5 something. You've already given me a cue. For, for American Express, which is crazy. To 1.1, 1. 1, okay. 1.2. But, but hmm, payment rates are so hard. to. Do you mean repayment rates within 30 days of default or 60 or 90 it's, or 120? What's okay. the timeline? I'm assuming that mapping this to is an assessment of when the company determines that it's not going to, it's not going to be able to collect this debt. Basically, that's how that's how credit card companies think about it as well. It's not so much saying that you missed the payment in thirty days. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's they'll be way lower than way higher than zero point five percent. This is got it. When they decide that this is this person is not going to pay and maybe they sell it to collections or something like that or whatever. Huh. Not so American Express, it's zero point five ninety nine point five percent of people pay. Wow, it, that's incredible. They, they, they do charge cards, right? They do a lot of their things that charge cards and their credit cards. Ah, okay. Why don't you use another? Have why don't you not use? Long, yeah. You no, know, it's one. It's one point five or one point three two percent generally of credit cards. And when it goes up to two percent, it's like nightmarish, right? So it's it's oh. between that zero point five to two percent rate for like U.S. credit cards. But it's not a good analogy. I was only looking for it as a vague benchmark because of course it's, it's not a good it's analogy. Way but it's something you can you can keep a credit card for way longer, keep balances for way longer, make a twenty five dollar minimum payment for way longer than you can right. for something like this. It's not a good analogy, but I was trying to find like PLs in Nigerian banks, non-performing loans, which is a similar concept. It's like 4%, 4.9% the entire banking sector in Nigeria, or 6% on a bad day, which is coming. So that's like how, <laughs> I know, right? So that, I was like, oh, 90, 93% is pretty good for solar. 98% is really bad for like an asset-backed loan. Should it hmm. be higher? Because 
credit cards are non-asset backed. You start to get into these things, but it was hmm. within a ballpark of what made me feel like this is not the worst thing in the world. Hmm. However, their recourse is not the same though. And the credit quality becomes an issue. We'll talk about that a bit later. I didn't, I couldn't really fully parse, parse how to interpret it. On one hand, it's like, it, there's no, there's no alarm bells ringing, but like 93%, 98%. Like if you told me I have 98% repayment for any credit, I would give out. I think any fintech would die for rates like that, right? So that's mm. what they're saying. But it doesn't jive with if you check if you check MCOPA on YouTube today, all you see about are hacks on how to oh. MCOPA thing. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I was doing research. Like Sixty videos about uh, like, how to bypass the, the the security lock so you get the phone yeah. for free. It's you it's really funny. <laughs> I used to flash phones in college. Let's put it that way. Oh yes, yeah, and it's normal. It's not a big deal. You flash phones. You want a new course. ROM. It's your phone. You, it's your phone. Yeah. It's very it's very easy to do, and. Still, 90% repayment rate, it becomes very interesting. We'll talk about this a bit more in a summary, but you huh. want to flag that repayment rate. And the That's fact a good that point like, to flag. It's a very high point and then very high, but also I look at the risk of, bro, if I got a phone today, if I got a phone from MCOPA in 2010 when I was in college, like that's my phone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, okay. So the repayment that's- rates are one thing. I still, like a broken record, I still come, keep on coming back to the revenue is not recurring. That's just a fundamental problem. Like, I did, what, I know, I, I've seen stats on phone. Call? What if he doesn't even call? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm talking about a secondary, call. I'm talking about a secondary <laughs> issue. <laughs> I'm talking about a secondary issue. If my boy is people with phone. <laughs> your boy, your man is talking about recurrence. You're talking about occurrence. Okay, basically the point is, I saw stats that show people, even in US and Europe, they use their mm-hmm. phones for three-ish years. Which means in African and developing countries, people use their phones for three, five, seven years. Even I don't know. Well, let's talk about let's talk about product monetization strategy. I'll talk about my conclusion at the end, but let's yeah. just say I'm not so I'm not so enthusiastic about their business. Okay. Product monetization strategy, I go through product strategy, how they make money, the cost structure, a bunch of other stuff. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the product. Generally, the way to think about the product for MCOPA is is grown in two different ways. One is more kinds of electronics. They have a fridge in some places. They have a, what they call a solar TV, 32-inch TV. They have different tiers now. What they have gone into is tiers of products where you pick from a menu. The other thing that they've also done to expand their business is other kinds of financing. Cash loans, hospital cash, smartphones. And that's where we'll go into like breaking into those, breaking down those parts of their business growth and how that has changed for more electronics, right? So 2013, the first launch was a basic package, right? Four watts mm-hmm. rooftop solar panel, Control box yes. on the wall, three lamps, right. and then phone charger. Simple stuff, right? Yeah, basic package, yep. As they progressed, they've expanded to offering other electronics. 32-inch TV, solar radio. I just love putting solar at the front of stuff, by the way. It actually makes it Can I just say, did you see the pictures of the first TV? Ugly. I was like, yeah, man. Wait, oh. It was 2000, 2013, maybe? For sure, for sure, for what sure. What I to ugly. watch, though? Yeah, yeah. Also, is it? How does that even work? Most Chinese manufacturers are making regular TVs. How can you ensure the development cycle of the solar TV will match the... Anyway, I have some, some issues with that, but we'll, we'll talk about, Deve- about it later. Development cycle for TV, they're selling to rural customers. They're talking about the <laughs> development cycle of the screen. Why there's a TV, there's a TV. Um, <laughs> Use it for 20 years and hope for the best. Like, what do you think, think of Copa's... Anyways... As it progressed, it had a solar TV, solar refrigerator, tube lights, rechargeable radio, which are fire. Mm. Definitely kept me. And it had different amounts for how to get them. Basically, the cash cost of the device as listed from them. Basically, you can pay upfront for the whole device and never 
which was also an option, by the way. You just give them the entire Ooh. cash cost for the whole device. If you are are you serious? They were selling straight full payment for, but, but that's for the additional products, not for the solar. No, no. But I mean, think about it, right? If you don't want to, you can, the way the payment plan works is you can pay the deposit, then pay right, every plus, single day, or you right. can pay several days in advance. So you can pay for right. the next 25 days when you get a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Or you can just pay up early if you want, which is by but but but, but 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 will it will it be a, a discounted price or will it be the same as if you multiply by by the payment cycle? That's the that's the crux I, of it. Have, there's they no discount. There's no point, price. right? You might as well just wait. Yeah. <laughs> just wait. Whenever yeah, I, I'll have, pay you whenever I get it. Time value. You do have a cash price, right? So okay, up to hundred thousand shillings or more, depending on what you want. So you can pick. Oh, I want a package with the TV. I want a package with this or that, and then you pay a different deposit. And then a different mm -hmm. like daily daily payment. It's kind of how they've expanded to that. So they have a bunch of stuff now. Just every electronic. And one thing Everything. that is good about their product strategy as well, just to give them to give them a lot of credit for this is, as solar technology has gotten better, they've according to them they've launched newer and newer generations of their technology. So smart, I saw a review, smart. I saw a review from 2013, 2014, where it was like, oh, I used half the battery. My Mcopa thing was full, and I used half of it to charge my iPhone five or something like that. And I'm like, that's terrible. And I looked at the date of the article. <laughs> and I was like, right. yeah, that's a long time ago. I, I can't imagine they're giving you half the energy for a, an old iPhone. But obviously, they've released new generations. They talk about it like MCOPA 3, MCOPA 4. So Smart. they've been better about that. I'm so, so amped up about solar energy and solar power in African countries. It just makes sense. Rural, tropical, yeah. bite-sized. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of what business model benefits both parties to make it sustainable. It needs to benefit the consumer. It needs to benefit the business. Yeah. It needs to be sustainable and grow. But at a high level, it just makes mm -hmm. sense. Okay. The next thing is they went to other kinds of financing, right? So they're like, at this point, Opa is saying, come to me with your ID card and your M-Pesa number in Kenya. Pay the deposit. I will give you something to go home with. Make payments daily. That's credit history, right? The obvious yes. next step for them here is to say, what else can we push through the pipe? If I know that Bankole is a good credit risk, uh, the point being, once you know customers and you know their credit right. their credit risk, you can give them more stuff, right? And that was always Supposedly. the plan from the beginning. Basically, what they yeah. would say is, when Tolumde's point about, oh, somebody pays off the thing in a year and they're gone, it's like, no, once you're, once you're about to pay off, they offer you stuff. Do you want a phone? Do you want a laptop? Do you want to get a loan to buy a cow? Do you want to get a loan and, to buy a sheep? And they give it to you at a lower rate than they would have yeah. if you started from scratch. So it makes sense. The only nickel I have with it is... Closed loop credit rating systems, I'm not a big fan of, because a person can default everywhere else. You don't have any record of that, even if they're a good uh, customer based on your, your own yeah. data. But it's better than nothing. But just to be clear for the audience listening, it's not a full credit assessment of the customer. It's based on their usage habits with you as a singular company. It's not the same as Experian. It's not the same as Equifax. It's not the same as TransUnion. It's something. It's better than nothing because people had nothing, but it's still not a full view of the customer. It's not adequate. Yeah. I, I Just think to be clear, but say, it's something. It, it's doesn't something. it doesn't matter in this market, and it's the thing that matters the most. Huh. Anyways, it doesn't matter if someone if someone okay. gets five Excuse different me. lending apps. Excuse defaults on four. Me. I the people that give them two hundred and sixty million dollars. Are you among them? <laughs> Generation <laughs> investment management. Shout out. Do you know more than them? I'm Sorry, you were saying. You were saying. Just borrow, borrow conviction and move on. <laughs> Basically, you be. <laughs> build your credit history with Mcopa, and now they've gone to other things. They have cash loans. You can just borrow money, bro. Just be like Mcopa, hit me up. Christmas Street. is coming or whatever. Mm -hmm. They have Hospi Cash, which they worked with Turaco, which we talked about. Bundle insurance right. product to Mcopa customers and still. I like that, by the way. I like yeah, that a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah. 20, 25,000 customers have been insured. Fascinating. They have satellite TV. I wasn't even couldn't figure out how this works. 
But like, do they finance the satellite TV? You pay per day. Maybe they finance the monthly payments and you pay per day. I don't know. They have a clean stove, and I was like, this is exactly it. By the way, sidebar on Mkopa, it's actually one of those things that it's one of those business models. I don't know how to say this. Maybe it'll come up later, where it fits into the Western notion of African entrepreneurship or African tech progress. It's like that clean stove, leapfrogging, mobile money, ride sharing. Why is it important that they fit that model? That's, that only helps with fundraising and for storytelling. It doesn't help you be okay. a success. I, I, like, I like how you think that there's something else other than those two things you just said. <laughs> uh-huh. Raise money, move to London, and then, and then hope for the best. <laughs> Every Nigerian startup founder ever. Raise as much money as possible, tell as much bullshit as possible, get the money, move to UK, hope for the best. I love Everybody's it. Everybody's salty it. about founders moving to London. Do you live in Lagos? I do not. Hell Exactly. Not. So if you not live in Lagos because of what? No, I don't want... I'm, I'm, what are you... Am I... Am I... Am I... Am I... Must I die here? <laughs> because I... Because I... Start off. I should not die here. If you want to come to Nigeria, come to Nigeria. I will make you chief credit officer. <laughs> CCO. <laughs> Come to Nigeria, clown. Shout out, shout out to African done. founders, man. I, I Anyways, love y'all. Back, y'all are, back y'all are to, good businessmen. Back to the product strategy. They do a bunch of other products. Um, <laughs> the idea is, is the same. Once you know a customer, you know their credit history and you can give them a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so, it makes sense. Now, how does the product work, right? You, they have registered dealers, network of dealers. The last number I saw is 2,000 registered dealers they have. How sure if that's Kenya alone. Anyways, go to a dealer. Take your ID, take your MPSA registered number with you. In Nigeria, that's your national identification number, NIN, Nin. which you should have if you don't have that. Choose I your don't package. have one. By the way, can I quickly shit on the government agency for not providing me a NIN? You don't have Let me do, you do don't a have quick, NIN. quick diversion. You don't have NIN. Okay. I'm sorry for you. I'm going you to Nigeria next month. You are, are in trouble. <laughs> you are in trouble. It will shock get you like me, it. Don't worry. Get Relax. me my fucking NIN, please, for God's sake. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant about this. Have you applied, this is the reason have you applied why, for your NIN? I've applied. They said the system was down. Don't get me started. This is the reason why I shit on governments in every episode. Guys, get your shits together, people. Okay, NIN. You want NIN to be NIN mandatory? Identification number. <laughs> Correct. It came up with a couple years ago. It was supposed to be a yes. social security it, number equivalent. Correct. Has a national it's equivalent number. to that, yes. And in the UK, equivalent to your insurance number. But guys, the whole system is so messed up. A lot of people, I'm sure if you listen to Afrobilly, you're like, oh, Lumide is so hard on the government. Because they can't get shit done. How difficult is it to get in? Anyway, coming back on topic, not happy. Keep talking, if keep I talking. get it, yeah, the one I'm sorry for. Yeah, the one I'm sorry for. Don't call it your name. When is your passport expiring? <laughs> you know that they're putting it on passport now. <laughs> it's already, already expired. It already expired. All this, all this <laughs> English expired. you are speaking. All this English you are speaking. <laughs> you still speak it. <laughs> English. It's like, the game okay. there's been, there's been, there's been, there's been, you don't know what I went through in Lagos this December. You are in for a shocker. Oh NIN, you are God. talking. Did, the government is incompetent. Did you get yours? You will, you will walk in McDonald's. You will walk in McDonald's. Okay. Okay. As you were saying, okay, coming back on topic. Quick coming back on topic. So how the product works. Use the journey. Two dealers. You can take your ID, your MPSA, your MPSA number with you. Choose your package. Make the down payment. Take your system home. Bang bang. Nice. The idea being Fast. that the system has a SIM in it. They can tell you if it's not working as usual. If it's, you should go clean the solar panel on your roof or whatever. The f- M- 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 Mcopa built what they're calling Mcopanet, the software layer on top of MPESA to manage payment instructions and sign up. Basically, a, a network layer that allows you accept and transfer payments. Have our limb days rolling his eyes. Right. 
And it's your it's life. complete bullshit you know? now. They give it, everything money. is dependent on, on Safaricom and Impesa. Everything else is just mm. bullshit. They, 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 they layer off the telco network for communications and payments. Yeah. That's it. Everything they built is just yeah. minimal, minimal UX on top. Hype. With 2,000 employees. There's nothing in Mkopa. No, no, no. I'm not... No, they're doing something. But they're let's really be very clear. Let's be very clear. Without the SIM and the communication network from the telco, everything breaks down. Mkopanet is whatever. All that matters is the SIM, the SIM stuff. Otherwise, how are you going to get payments? That's the crux. Okay, let me, t- let me tell you how they think about the product. This is how Nick Hughes describes the product. And I quote, Once Mkopa has a customer, he works hard to sell him more products on installment. Your anchor product is clean energy, then you build a finance relationship. A couple of weeks before the solar system is paid off, Mkopa calls to offer another product in exchange for reopening the account and making payments for another few months. Basically, it's remortgaged, right? Back to the quote. Right. Ideally, these two will save the customer money over time. Stoves that don't use, that use less charcoal, bicycles that cut transportation costs, tank that scores towards rainwater. Mkopa also sells smartphones and offers loans to pay for school fees. About a quarter of those who pay up their first purchase move on to others. 25%. Can you get the loan and just use it for whatever you want, straight cash loan? I think you said you could before, right? Yes, no. Yes, no. So that, that means what I said earlier about churn, they're trying to mitigate that by just like, look, forget about everything. We'll give you cash. You give us back cash, which is a bigger market than everything else, yeah, potentially. Quarter, they said a quarter of their customers who pay off their first purchase move on to others. That's good. Right. So if you have a 90, yeah. 98% repayment rate, right, and they're 25% mm-hmm. of that, Move on right. to second purchase. It's like roughly 25% of all customers take on a second loan. Right. I don't know. So 0.75 times 98. Next year, 0.75 times 0.75 times 98. The decay rate is just, everything goes to zero in six years. It's still shit. It doesn't yeah, solve anything. That's why they're raising zero. debt and growing. <laughs> debt and growing. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, let's talk about how, okay, how, anyway. how, do they make, how do they make money, right? They make money from financing the oldest business in the world. Maybe second oldest business in the world. They take on the risk. Look at you. They make money on the spread between what they buy it for and what they sell it for, in theory. Yes. What was surprising to me about their monetization, though, is they are very clear about not having any credit scoring. So this is an important distinction. Most businesses say they do some credit scoring. Most people who are familiar with the space always know that it's all like hand wavy. Oh, of course, they do they but stuff, but spreadsheets. But they do something. These guys actually say they don't do anything. There's a quote from I like the articles. With Mkopa's model, everybody's welcome. There is no upfront scoring. If you can pay the upfront deposit, that's all we require. And then you're into a relationship where customers can get the solar system or smartphones, respective of whether you're in Lagos or Nairobi, and mainly put those things to use. I thought that was bold, but also honest. It's actually, on one hand, it's like, oh my God, my first instinct is like, are you nuts? Second is that the people that are doing credit scoring go, what's inside? What's that? What are I reading your text messages? They are checking whether you bought credit yesterday. What's their repayment rate? This one requires you to pay a deposit. There's no need to fool ourselves and paying somebody 2% of every loan administered when they didn't, when they didn't do anything. Um, I, I thought that was interesting, like making yeah. money from that and just realizing we will take all commerce as long as you can pay the deposit, which is a good filter, yeah, they, right? They have an advantage. They have two advantages. Number one, you said they take some upfront money. And then number two, because they've disabled the device, let's leave the phone to the side. If you go on YouTube, you may be free. <laughs> Free me, free me, I'm okay. Let me put stick on the back. Property of Mkopa, come and collect it now. Free me. Okay, but the apart- deposit, deposit can be 25% of the price of the phone. That's what they call that is a good customer discount. discount. 75% off sale. If you, you can tell your guys, ah, Bankola, you bought a new phone, I want to know that. Those are my guys, bro. 
<laughs> they're just giving them away. Um, is it how so, much? Well, is it not supposed to be twenty k? <laughs> when I five k, me a bill. Seventy five percent off. I had a YouTube. <laughs> okay, what was I saying? I lost my train of thought. I was saying. Oh, I was saying they have that benefit because they collect some money up front. Also, because they've disabled mm-hmm. the device, it is, I wouldn't say it's collateralized, but it's like they have a device that the consumer cannot use and they can go and collect. So it's safer and they do do some scoring for later on anyway, for subsequent mm-hmm. purchases. Like they still have By a goodish way, model. I, I, but I, I, like I want to just put some things there. Collections is actually expensive for something like this, bro. The device Of is, course. The girl told don't come into my house. Ass. What would you say? <laughs> See, when, when I did, what we do, was it that one? You go to reach the house in the rural area. I'm telling you that when I did NYC and I was in Oyo, which is fine, you take 400 naira, which was a crazy amount at the time, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you'll be on Okada to go from one small town to another to go and watch football match. Like, if you have to go 30 minutes on a bike to go and recover something, it's not going to make economic sense. And then you go there, the person at home is locked, it is gone to another village, is hitting it. Nah. Anyways, that, that becomes an interesting perspective and then the cost structure they have a different cost I, I went back and forth on the cost right it's one they have a dealer network but you can do that with margins and you don't know what the cost structure is it doesn't really mean anything either way because labor is cheap two is the hardware is import they have like a forex thing because hardware is imported and it's not manufactured it's assembled in Kenya of course it's not manufactured it's in China obviously it's pretty good it's oh. imported they provide a 24 month warranty but they get payments for 12 months, which is good. Why is warranty so high anyway? They should, why, warranty sounds a bit high think, to me. They should think, reduce that. But people, well, it's, it's customers now. You have to get customers. It's a, it's a trade-off. Between Set, that yeah, sales strategy. Once I finish payment. That is not working anymore. So- ah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a scam. <laughs> sounds like a scam, right? But the warranty <laughs> can end up spiking costs like crazy because it's just a replacement cost, right? And they have a mm-hmm. whole assembly line where they repair things and they try to refurbish yes. them. But that's expensive. That, that was a highly yeah. ranked YouTube video. Not as high as the phone. <laughs> as the phone. Yeah. yeah. But it was highly ranked. They did, a, they did the SEO on the on the warehouse. They did the SEO on the on the just it's basically Peaks. just like reboot the damn phone and just <laughs> reboot the phone and load into the bootloader. Oh my god. That's goodness. so funny, it's, man. It's so simple. Oh god. Um, okay. Anyways, and the second thing on the cost is the cash conversion cycle. And that's one of the criticisms mm. of these of these businesses is you spend a lot Smart. of money up front. And then you hope you get it back, um, mm. which is it's business. Many people do that. You buy things on credits. All Amazon yes. suppliers do that. Like mm-hmm. nothing weird about it. But if your credit risk is towards Amazon, that's like pretty good. But if your credit Correct. risk is towards ten thousand farmers in 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 Naivasha or in Eldoret or whatever it is, and then it becomes a different right. framework on the cash. Company. Also, Amazon is gonna pay you in way shorter time than one year for god's sake yeah. even if you're a super yeah. small business yeah. like because the full net, pay- net 90 even if, exactly even if, even yeah if. comparing 90 to 360 is literally 4x delta high-ish let, risk let, but they have a lot of debt it's fine let me tell you the other thing is also you have to forecast future sales correctly because you over forecast you pay storage costs you pay importation costs and you can't sell it you under forecast and you're basically looking at a low revenue even the analytical function has to be pretty intense because you have to know in june we're going to need 300,000 units we need to order it last right. november so that right. it goes through customs and it clears and it's variable. But in June, you have to have it so you, your dealers can sell it. So you don't want the opposite. Problem. And and Banco, don't forget, the debt isn't free. Obviously, they're paying some interest on the debt, the 30, 50, 80 million. Uh-huh. If, you, if you forecast incorrectly, no one cares. As long as they've given you the money, that's like you just have to pay them the debt payments forever. Another part of the negatives of forecasting. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. I, I do trust the 
competence of the team to solve it. Oh yeah, they have a lot of experience. They have like 11 and a half years of data, which hopefully they can use as trends. I'm like, it's easier to do forecasting when you have some initial data trends versus starting from scratch. So they've done all of this and I've seen, they said they've sold over a million PSU-GO systems, not 3 million customers, a million PSU-GO systems alone. And they financed over $400 million, they said, of financing. Um, hmm. But but you know what they say? But that's it's cumulative twelve year number, right? Oh whatever yeah, yeah, yes, yes, divided by twelve. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever okay. the margin on that, they've raised a lot in equity and debt, and they're financing a bunch of those things. Okay. Summarize summarizing this section a little bit before we go to competition. They have a complex product. There's one part where they take the PSU Go Solar product and they put in a bunch of other solar things. As technology gets better, as panels get better, as batteries get better, by the way, they're able to power those batteries to power more things. They have a refrigerator, which is pretty cool, right? So they can power more things with the solar thing and they sell those things. That's one way they've expanded their business. Second way is provide more financing to a bunch of other things. Cable TV, cash loans, cash, and a bunch of other things. And they've used that to grow their actual business to it was 3 million, we said. And they sold a million PSU Go systems and double-digit million-dollar revenue, at least at the very least, very high. And they're just taking that business and and, and chugging along and growing it, right? Despite, right. I mean, despite the open questions on the costs of taking it and growing it. Yeah. If we if we look back to our revenue numbers, I think we they had 50, 60-ish million, even six and a half years ago. For all we know, yeah. the company may have hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. That sounds positive. Yeah. But I think we said they had two-ish million customers. There's some issues with the, the debt. There's some issues yeah. with the reliability and recurrence of the revenue. So there's some positives, yeah. I would say. I wish they'd given us more recent revenue numbers. That would shine a light on things. I will say, yeah. all the stuff you said, one thing I like is they're in a very big market, which is Nigeria. And they have a very yeah. they have two needed products. One is just pure cash and one is phones. So from a very simplistic, yeah. big market, two, two needed products, it's just you need to look at the nuance of like, that's not their primary market, it's a secondary market, and the cash is not their primary business, it's the devices which is the primary business. Yeah. Secondary market and secondary business, yeah. which is big, mm. Yeah, and to be fair to them on the phones, I'm sure that they talk about having direct partnerships with a lot of these manufacturers now. Samsung and Nokia, they have direct more, partnerships. Yeah, getting more of a cheap player to stop some of these hacks, this ADB bootloader yes. hacks, right? Then you get more on that like, <laughs> The infra layer than the actual yeah. like software layer because doing stuff on the software layer for these phones is is not even it's, a, it's like it's a dead on arrival like bro like right. it's dead on arrival um, yeah okay yeah. should I do competition yeah do competition let's do it okay competition and exits I have so many thoughts about product and monetization strategy but let's just roll it up into our summary then competition mm-hmm. I know you'd probably think that their competition is like other pay-as-you-go solar companies but if you mm-hmm. ask me their biggest business in the long term is going to be the mobile phones, financing, and the direct cash lending, which means actually their real competitors are businesses that do financing or businesses that do lending. So let's break it down. I think the biggest competitors would then be telcos or startups that want to do asset financing and Mm. or or lending. Safaricom, potentially big, big competitor. In this case, they're like I mean, partners, affiliates. They have no. They have no. They yeah, have it, cash yeah. I, I know they're like frenemies, but eventually, because because Nick Hughes is on the board of Safaricom and because he's the founder, he knows them. I think less of an issue. However, MTN Airtel, I just think inevitably telcos would be a problem. You mentioned Amshwari. Safaricom also launched something they called Lipa Mdogo Mdogo in 2021. Yeah. I know what that is, Bankole. It's smartphone financing. 
I know what yeah. smartphones you're financing, Samsung or Nokia. Samsung. So almost exactly the same. And I did some quick math. I wish I had more time to do more detailed math. It's actually way cheaper if you do the annualized costs, you multiply all the payments. Safaricom has direct customer relationship. It's cheaper. They have, I don't know. Their frenemies will probably end up being fine. It's just a taste of what could be with the telco competitors. Other competitors, I would say, anyone else that does asset financing or lending, yeah. fair money, be free, carbon, all our normal, listen to our episode 32 on consumer lending. This one is a little bit indirect because consumer lending isn't the same thing as asset financing, but it's a broader category because when you get the money, you use the money for phone anyway. Indirect. It's like the, question, the competition is more like... How, what do customers think about what job to be done? What box do customers put them in and the job to be exactly. done? And if the job is, oh, I don't have cash, I need cash to solve a short-term problem. And people are thinking, yes. do I use MCOPA? Do I use a quick box by Access Bank? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what I would say. In fact, if banks could get their shit together, I'd say they're also competitors. But if you listen to our lending episode, it's mostly startups that are burning VC money. They can do lending. And it's not because they're better yeah. than banks. It's because they're using venture capital money to subsidize the actual costs of the interest rates. Okay, exactly. those are primary exactly. competitors. Now, obviously, they still have the legacy business, the pay as you go in solar. They still have some competitors. And let's talk about them. But I will say, like I said before, these are not the primary competitors. This business mm -hmm. is smaller, if you ask me the pay as you go. We have D-Lite, D-L-I-G-H-T. Mm -hmm. And D-Lite, extremely similar business model. In fact, in some of the interviews, they asked the CEO, the CEO, yeah. CEO said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the difference is we're not tied to Safaricom. I was like, bro, I don't know who told you, but <laughs> I yeah. hope you know Mkopa doesn't only use Safaricom too. They have other partners. Basically, the exact same thing. They raised a bunch of money in 2016. I think they raised like 20-something million dollars doing the same business model. There's another company called Mobisol, M-O-B-I-S-O-L, which was yeah. in East Africa, but they got bought out. They've already exited. There's some companies, there's off-grid electric, there's a Azuri. Mm. Yeah, or bankrupt. There are a bunch of different companies in the solar side, but yeah, overall, let's see how it all evolves. I'm specifically curious yeah. to see if there's an acquisition of partnership play with one of the telcos or lending companies, which leads us to the next option. How do they exit? Yeah, yeah. I would talk about competition for, for a bit. Is I actually think as you go solar is interesting, but it's not interesting enough. It's almost that I think it's a good business, but not a big business. I did yeah, realize yeah. that. And yes, I, I think. Kind of it, yes, it could be a big business, but it's a slow burn business. If a salesperson needs to go to a rural villager and sell him solar panels, obviously, just by common sense, that's going to be a way slower business than just giving lending. Slow money. Slow it's just slow, right? Because it's based yeah. on the operational nature of the sales. I agree with you. Potentially big, yeah. but it will take a really long time. And I'm not even sure if you wait long enough, if it will be that big. Because the longer it takes for it to be big, the more the government can build out the grid. The whole pay-as-you-go solar business has a big question mark around timing and size. Slow money, slow money. And then you get into a bunch of, of any cash, what any cash from, and then that becomes... Bank, fair money, all the banking apps that are pushing money at you to take a loan and... And telcos, man. Telcos too. Telcos, telcos. Need, need money. And telcos already have a payment relationship. They just layer yeah. that stuff on top. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Because so, you already buy airtime and stuff. Directly. Yes. Yeah. You already, you already do it. That, that's why... And even the asset financing is such an interesting angle because a lot of people... I don't do this. I buy my phone on lot yeah. separately. But a lot of people buy phones also through the telco. At the point of purchase, yeah. you can just sell them, oh, do you want direct payment option or multiple payments, which is literally asset yeah. financing. Anyway, fine, let's talk about exits. I have a bunch of different options and Bankway, I wanna hear your thoughts. So 
sell to phone manufacturer, e.g. Transient, e.g. Samsung, e.g. Nokia, although Nokia isn't really Nokia people, it's HMD Global, <laughs> Side, sidebar, I'll stay on topic. S sell to Telco, Safaricom, MTN, Airtel. Should I interrupt to, because no. I'm just squeezing my face now and it's not showing up yes, on the audio? Yes, please. So what, is, what would the Telco buy? Because it's curry mechanism or what? <laughs> well, I'll give you my pitch. If I were M Copa, then we could talk about the truth. I'm asking now. So M Copa, yeah, I'll give you my pitch. That's what I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna okay, answer. Okay, I'm just okay, clarifying okay. my sorry, answer. Sorry, go ahead. I'm gonna okay. give my pitch as a potential representative of M Copa. So M Copa, they go to the telco and let's pick who should we pick? Let's pick MTN, right? So yeah. MTN isn't big at all in Kenya. The pitch is very mm -hmm. simple. In order to get more engaged Kenya customers, build a relationship with them where you're getting your ass handed to you by Safaricom. Okay, this so is an entry point. To, mm. Yes, this is an entry point to MTN to, to Kenya. That's the pitch. And then the pitch for Safaricom is the opposite. In order to get big in Nigeria, which you're not in at all, this is an entry point to start to build something and then eventually you could do something. It's basically play the telcos off the geos they're in okay. because both no telco is big in both markets. That's the pitch. To win, to win, to win $3 ARPUs. That's already that's already their business. That's already their business. They're used yeah, to exactly. They're, so they're going to double down on $3 ARPUs. That's what I yeah, said. They're already, Safaricom is going to they're used to it. Let's go get more $3 ARPUs in this market. And I'm going to say let's get more $3 ARPUs in this market. Well, Which is completely I mean, opposite. They've been divesting like crazy, but no. Now is the time to double down on those $3 customers that are the lowest income category of customers. It's just, it's just the starting point. Lending, based on the interest rate you charge, the returns can be way higher than three. It just depends on the repayment rate. That's just the starting anchor point. Okay. So jack up the ARPU, basically. Exactly. Expertise on, on credit. Yes, okay. yes. The, the foundation is just the three. Now, can the three be five, seven, eight, nine, ten? No one knows because it depends on the repayment rates. But if, first of all, you need the relationship, right? Obviously, there's nothing to charge. Mm. That's the pitch. But what are your thoughts on it? Different thoughts? No, I, I, I didn't see how any of the telcos would want it. I, 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 what I have in my notes, word for word, is they have to hold this by themselves. <laughs> so, so you don't want so sell to energy company no sell to fintech no send to lending sell to telco sell to phone manufacturer all out yours is option six I, I do, yeah I, I i was thinking about it as what is it truly what makes it a super highly attractive asset for somebody else to own but, but it makes sense for, for a phone manufacturer to buy it the phone manufacturer was my second choice why not if you're let's pick samsung now, for the audience, almost all the phones they sell are low-end phones, obviously, because people don't have mm -hmm. that much money. Of course, if I'm Samsung, I want to sell it, but, but why not? Samsung wants to increase the number of phones they sell. People are more likely to buy phones when they're cheaper, even though they're not really cheaper. Yeah, they, they do it, and then it helps them increase sales. Why not? Yeah, no? but, but but what does Samsung get from MCOPA now that they don't get from their current... What does Samsung get from MCOPA as an owner, for example, thinking of this, that they don't get from their current relationship? That's exactly my point. Okay, right? that's a very good point. So like, you're not gonna buy the cow to get the milk. Yes, but there are, there are some there's some nuanced things they get. Let's go into the biggest one. Let's forget about nuance. Let's just pick one. The biggest yeah. one is this exclusive relationship because right now Mcopa is also selling your competitors. They sell Nokia yeah. as well. So you cut you cut it off, and then the consumers have you as a preferred option. Yeah. That's something. Assuming it's a big, assuming it's a big enough channel, the three million customers. <laughs> of course, everything you, know. you have to assume it's a big channel. It's not three; it's two million. Obafemi, there's no Russ, three. They here. have to hold. It's two million they have customers. To hold this thing by themselves. They have to. Hold okay, it so themselves. They have to hold it by themselves. <laughs> we have different different opinions. So, my first because, was. Go ahead. Go ahead. My first option I thought was most likely. Okay, first of all, I have a, a timeline. In the 2023 to 2026 timeline, uh, highest uh, probability I said was sale to lending company. Sale to phone manufacturer than telco. Those mm -hmm. are the top three, I would say. But Bankoli, yours is in the in the next three years they have to hold. I, I I lean to because you have to think about like what does what business what makes an attractive asset to somebody else in my mental model is 
what does it help them jumpstart? Which is, I could do this by myself, but it will take me two months, or it will take me two years, or it will take me five years. If I've gotten to a deal with these guys, I can do that on Monday. Right. No That's one at Samsung wants to give phone options for people in the village in Kenya, bro. Like, exactly this is, this is how, like, exactly and you, you don't want them hawking your Samsung phone and the Nokia phone and other phones. It's just, it's just a channel. They could do it. Why not? The yeah. only reason why I agree with you is the price is going to be so high. Like, if, if their revenues were 60-ish million seven years ago, let's, we don't know, right? Let's say their, their revenue is hundreds of millions now. Dude, even with low multiples, it's almost a billion dollars. Like, no one is going to spend a billion dollars on this. What the hell? The, the revenues, yeah. no, it's not, you shouldn't only do revenue multiples, right? You should also look at, like, profitability, gross margins, cash. Yeah. But there's something about the size of the business which makes me think it'll be expensive, unfortunately. Yeah, and the telcos, the telco, like, you don't see mobile phone manufacturers owning they have sales distribution value chain outside of Apple, which was stupid, and nobody else have. Everybody has tried and stopped and started and stopped and they built Samsung Hell experience no. or Google experience store. Uh, or no, no, experience no, store no, 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 no one does that. What a waste of money. No one does no that. No one does that. So I, no one really tries to own their channel. Anyways, I thought that I actually, I don't want this to read when I say like, oh, what are they buying? It's not an indictment on the business, indictment on the value to somebody else. I think that the business itself could be sustainable in itself as a just a pure financing platform to push things through because just that model of financing of having this down payment filters a ton of people a ton of people out right i think i hope it filters out a ton of people and if you filter out those people you can maybe give better credit and once you have that channel and you have those customers you have a customer list you can grow that expand that like basically make a an income i saw an interview from 2016 where chad Larson said, look, we're profitable on a, on a portfolio of customers basis. Obviously, we have defaults. We try to put on every customer from like a unit cost perspective. But we also have a lot of fixed costs when spread across many different customers, right? Hmm. Assuming that's true, and the customer hmm. cost has increased exponentially since 2016, and they're keeping fixed costs flat or growing slowly, and they're being profitable on a portfolio, increasing the portfolio of debt. Wait, wait, wait. What? No, no, but, but, but fixed costs in this case is not, the, is not the crux of it now. It's the variable that's important. No, but, but that's the point, right? So his point was, this was 2015, 2016. It's like, we're not profitable mm. now, but right. we have invested a lot in these fixed costs that once right. we get a lot of customers to spread the fixed... Think of MCOPANET, what they're calling MCOPANET, right? Okay. This infra you need to build, no, no, goals, right? No, it, it, it's fair. Well, <laughs> well, you, I thought you meant the variable costs would increase cost. in such a low proportion no, no, that no, the raw no. profitability was likely to be high. Okay. No. <clears throat> Maybe we show that point. 2015, they said fixed costs are high. We're not profitable, but we're profitable on a portfolio basis of customers. Once right. we get a lot of customers to spread this fixed cost over, we will be profitable. Yes. That sounds like a business that spits out cash flow. Dead businesses tend to spit out this cash flow because you get a bunch of money and you pay out a bunch of money. So it can be very cash flow, very cash flow accretive. Maybe and depending on how they grow, can be very can have very healthy return on equity. Yeah, but more, more reasons to, to, to sell though. But Bankoli also recognize your bias on. 80% of affordability episodes, you always pick the option that says the company should continue. How many times have you ever said sell? This is just a bias you have. No. Listen to former it's, episodes. It's a, bias, it's, a, it's a bias I have because when I go to the businesses, you have to really think carefully about what an, what an acquirer is buying. And I think that when, you, when I think about the presentation that every acquirer has to make to a board of directors about what they're buying, it doesn't, I don't see 
past the second or third page of the deck. Let's put it that way. So, but that, that means that means the, the business isn't valuable then. You're tr trying to say it in a Two years to buy. Don't put words in my mouth. Funny enough, okay. to, to, for, for the audience, I think it's 80 to 85% of exits are actually m and The bank only buys the opposite of reality. Most businesses never go to IPO. They almost always, always get sold out. It's just bank only likes, likes the dream. There's no, no, no dream. No, 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 There's no, no. no dream. I'm saying, Exit, I'm, sell. I said say, say these businesses. Yeah, these ones. Affordability ones. Yes, affordability episodes. <laughs> Fari went to IPO. Fari is fantastic. Yeah, of course. Yes. IPO before we die in Jesus' name. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> maybe also make it to IPO. Right. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's time yeah. now. Oh, okay, okay. A any any okay. closing thoughts on acquisition and then I'll, I'll summarize it. Dude, I, I have been very impressed. We'll talk about this in summary, but the execution is good. Competition is definitely getting more intense because everybody has the same data. And at of some course. point it becomes a, a who's chasing these customers and I wonder how many of the businesses that went through the whole funding boom are sitting on dry powder to give out loans, uh, basically forcing MCOPA to them price terribly because fair money yeah. is giving them loans at XYZ rate. Competition becomes a big problem because it be cashes fungible. For uh, sure. But I think that staying power execution, they can build a really big business here. They are okay. miles and miles ahead of the competition across the board in their PR and in their product from what I can tell. PR. If you believe PR, I have a bridge on it. Okay, let me summarize the. I'll summarize the section on competition and exit. Competition side, agree with what Bankole said. A lot of competition from all angles, telcos indirectly, lending companies, asset financing companies, also solar pay go companies. It's tight, but they are the leader in the solar piece in Kenya. Let's see how the whole competition plays evolved. The only thing I would say is I feel that a lot of money. Companies mm. that raise a lot of money have an advantage when it comes to lending. Because lending, no matter how fancy yeah. you make it seem, it's highly dependent on your ability to get a lot of debts, number one, and then to assess risk. And if we all see assessing risk is question mark, question mark, data science, whatever, whatever, it's just we can raise the most amount of money, subsidize it, wait till everyone goes out of business, get all the customers, yeah. then increase it later. Which to like, me- Fair money is not like, getting this much grant funding, basically, is your point. Like, like, right. They, can raise, they um, can raise money cheaper than most other people. Yes, they've raised the most amount of debt of any lending company we've seen so far. And then on the exit side, yeah, m my sense is they, they probably have some exit ideas they could probably sell, but let's see what happens over the next couple of years. My bet would be on a lending company or, or a phone manufacturer telco, but who knows? I also would understand why no one wants to buy because the price is just too high. Okay, with that, we can close and, and summarize. You want me to go or you want to take it? Actually, you go first. I usually go first. Okay. I was going to go because I'm always chomping at a bit, but you go first. I, I, I'm ready. I have one, two, three. Okay, so I have four different sections. Mm -hmm. Consumers, entrepreneurs, a bear case, and then mm -hmm. bull case. Then I'll close it. Consumers, easy. A win for consumers because I feel that low income and rural customers, they're getting access to something they didn't have before, especially things like phones. And the reason I say phones is because I feel a phone can be income producing, it can be an educational device, it can also be a pure consumption entertainment device. It's nice that those customers have access to something they didn't have before, which is a win. I also want to emphasize that if customers pay off the devices early, Michael was saying this before, mm -hmm. They start to build a credit score, system rating, whatever. They get additional devices for lower prices. Not only do they benefit initially, they benefit if they continue to use that because it's a cheaper TCO, total cost yeah. of ownership for future me, devices. One of the things, I was in Nigeria last month. I was in Nigeria for a long time. One of the things that it's weird that was very, as I stood in line in many different places. How are you standing in line, Bankole, now? I'm sure the American man, Express I'm Platinum now. Don't, don't play with me. Next time, wear your affability shirt. They'll see a guy <laughs> up to the front. <laughs> 
One of the challenges of being a consumer in Nigeria or in many emerging markets is everybody's treated to the lowest common denominator, right? So I end up being treated as a criminal. If you call a restaurant, want to order, they keep treating me like, oh, pay now, deposit now, make transfer. Don't leave the restaurant until you make the transfer until you see the deposit. Show me a picture of everything. And one of the things that credit scoring does, it starts to slice and dice people. So you get to be treated better. So there's so many low-income people, like it's a spectrum, right? What right. we call poverty, how it's defined, is a complete spectrum. And even in the U.S., think about what you can get if you're poor. It's a complete, it's a very diverse spectrum. Yes, and like low income doesn't mean scoring? low willingness to pay, actually. There's some low income people yeah. that actually have good credit worthiness because yeah, they, they're likely to risk or whatever. If risk. But yeah. everybody's treated with the same low bar. And you find people who have good... That's why Nigerians don't get um, tourist visa anywhere, right? It's because... <laughs> that's why they don't get nice things. With the lowest common denominator of the lowest common behavior of a Nigerian citizen abroad. Yeah, that's why I got to move to London when you're a founder. Get that other passport. Wink, wink. Lumide <laughs> is a hater, Sha. If you, if you like Nigeria so much, why are you in Miami? <laughs> so if you want, I pledge to Nigeria my country, come back. I'm coming back to my summary. Thank you. Thank you for your inputs. I'll come back to my summary. I pledge to Nigeria my country, come back. Okay. It's a win for consumers. However, there's a big asterisk uh, there. Okay. And the asterisk is like, Consumers need to do the math, actually, to see mm -hmm. if it's worth it. I and mean, they're better off doing a lump sum payment. I did some quick analysis of some products they had for sale. And sometimes, I shit you not, consumers are literally pay paying 2 to 4x the upfront cost of the device. Now, that's fine if you want the bite-sized payments, you don't have it. But like, it's important to do the math because if you actually have the upfront amount of money and you pay 4x the price, it's, it's frankly ridiculous, but understandable based on the default and the need to be profitable. It's basically the trade-off of a consumer of, should I save and wait and get the device at a lower price, yeah. or should I get the device immediately and pay it to a higher cost? Now, it's fine if you can't afford it and if you want to wait, but the delta is just remarkable. Something to think about, positive for consumers, but a big asterisk. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Were you going to yeah, say something? I, I, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. 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 And then the second piece is on entrepreneurs. Ah, yes. Very short. Shout out to Nick Hughes. Now, obviously, Jesse Moore has been running it for, he's mm -hmm. the CEO now. Nick Hughes is out. Mm -hmm. He's in the Safaricom on the board. But just the fact the same person started Mpesa, helped start Copa. He was in Copa for so long. Because it's not like he left as soon as he founded. He was there for years. Shout out to him and the rest of the team that have been doing it. Great job. And remarkable, the same person founded both yeah, companies. Yeah, moving that. Like, super committed to the business, the country, the market. Like, living yes. in his entire family. Not, yes, not helicopter yes. experts, all of that stuff. Like Deep in the there. game. And then to close it out, negative bear case, positive bull case. Bear case, very clear, right? Asset financing gets destroyed by telcos who already have a, a direct customer billing relationship. They already have distribution. They have really more customers. This is more of a problem in Nigeria with MCN than Safaricom mm -hmm. in Kenya, obviously, because of the Safaricom relationship with the queues. Second part of the bear case is fintech mm -hmm. apps or lending apps. They start to underprice them, undercut them because they raise money. Maybe they're trying to be aggressive to get some customers. Specifically, yeah. it would be the case if fintech lending apps use VC money to subsidize phones, which is the direct problem they would have. That's one of the biggest markets. Yeah. And then the third part of the bear case is their legacy business, which is the pay-as-you-go solar, it gets derailed by increasing government electrification. If government electrifies your house or neighborhood with a grid and it's cheaper, why the hell would you have pay-as-you-go solar, right? Or mm -hmm. the government indirectly... It doesn't have to be like the kerosene subsidy like Nigeria. There's yeah. some indirect ways governments can subsidize power that can actually screw them for the legacy business. Those are the three biggest issues in the bear case. Bull case, opposite. Legacy pay-as-you-go business experiences a lot of success, especially in future geos. We didn't spend a lot of time mm -hmm. talking about the future geos, but I know 
all the geos you're about to get into, some of them actually have, not all, some, all, some of them actually have some significant power issues. Maybe the legacy business becomes mm -hmm. bigger because of those new markets. They tag team a partner with telcos and fintechs, and basically they help them be the asset financing partner. So instead of competing against them, some mutually beneficial partnership, which dissuades the telco from directly offer, offering competing services because they're like, oh, our partner is already handling that for us. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the last part is they ride the smartphone adoption wave and eventually hopefully sell to yeah. phone manufacturer or telco or some partner because it's clear cell phones are getting big, they're getting cheaper, and the way people want to buy cell phones are bite-sized payments, and they're the number one asset financing company for phones. That's the success story. Mm. Okay, overall, 60% on the negative bear case, 40% on the positive bull case. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just not sold. I'm more negative because I think I like the company a lot. I like the story. I just feel that... Mm. Based on their history, are they willing to subsidize and burn money to get customers that need loans and lending? This business, you need sort of like aggressive businesses that are like, we've raised X million. We're going to use 90% of that to reduce the price of the lending. This doesn't strike me as a company that's willing to do that. And if the core of their business is going to be asset financing for phones, I feel like the more aggressive startups, the raise venture money, and or debt. Debt would actually be better, obviously. Yeah. And a much more, there's something about the psychology of the companies. I did a lot of research. They don't strike yeah. me as being aggressive to do undercutting. And lending businesses, unfortunately, if you're not going to do collection, if you're not going to do credit assessments, undercutting pricing is the way to get customers. Because customers just, mm. they just care about the price. Brand is way overrated when it comes to these yeah. things. So if, I'm not that negative, 60, 40, but close enough. And then with the competition from telcos, banks, lending, I like the company, but 60-ish negative, 40 beer, but I wish them the so, best. Hopefully I'm wrong. Okay, so buy, sell, hold. It sounds like a sell to you. Like get a portfolio. Sell. Damn, that's cold. No, 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 but it's it's, it's right on the edge. 60-40. It's right on the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never do 50-50. You can't tell your broker that. You can't tell your broker that. It's all good. Yeah, but sell for sure. Literally, Safaricom started offering the exact same product two years ago. And that's their closest, biggest partner in their home country. It's a weird sign that telcos want to be in the businesses they're in, want to be in the business they're in, Telcos have more money to subsidize it. Fintechs want to be in the business they're in. Fintechs can raise money to subsidize it. They're just being hammered from all the different angles. It's a hard business. But like I, Rumble, I could be wrong. right? It's like Real Rumble, but Shawn Michaels will still win. But Stone Cold Steve Austin will still win. It doesn't matter there's a lot of people in the ring. It's set up for the big, strong guy to win. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Anyways, we, we need to, we need to fact check me later. But I think The Undertaker has won the most amount of Royal Rumble. So both your examples are not the best. But let's fact yeah, check after we record it. That's so I'm not sure. Check. We said it in, in the email. By yeah, the way, if you listen yeah, three hours in. Because <laughs> I think Shawn Michaels' career was only like 11 and a half years, right? Undertaker's like 34 years. It's on math. It was my favorite yeah. wrestler as a kid. Okay, summary, please. <laughs> Can we move on to Copa? Okay, I was doing a little dance too, as well. My summary has a couple of, so you stop laughing. My summary has a couple mm. of parts. One mm -hmm. is about off-grid energy, and how much mm -hmm. I love it, just energy. Second is about founders, and final is about the business, which is my longest part. I'll start with the founders, very straightforward, is I think it's inspiring to see a problem, not once, but twice in the case of NICUs, and like feel drawn to Africa and African problems and solve them. We talk about this, Thing and when you talk about the Creator Roundtable, waiting for government and like, oh, if government should just do that. Government isn't going to do shit. Should, there's Olympic things that I don't. There's people who should work on getting government, making the government we have to, to converge with the government that we deserve. Yes. But also simultaneously, we need people who go the opposite of just treat the world as it currently is now. That's me. To this I'm the opposite problems. part. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like wealth problem. I, this is the, what I was trying to remember earlier on in the podcast is 
The World Bank estimates that breathing kerosene fumes is equivalent of smoking two packs of cigarettes a day oh. and two thirds of adult females with lung cancer in developing nations and non-smokers. Oh, like, two thirds. Like, That's crazy. Imagine me catching oh. like, a good chunk of my early life was like inhaling this said kerosene fumes, right? Isn't that insane? And that's oh, very man. common in many parts of rural Nigeria, which I'm most familiar with, but rural Africa as well. Inhaling these fumes just or living in it or being in the dark. And, this and is, we never that, talk about this, yeah. but if you're into like resource management and energy, it is better to use renewables for the environment as well. Not typically a factor yeah. on affordability, but apart yeah. from the people, obviously, also just for the environment, yeah. right? Like one of them is renewable, another it's one is so your, it's better. from coal, right? It's from coal mm-hmm. energy. It's not a big factor, but also important. Yeah. And to be clear, the founders did not have to do this anyway. Like uh, uh, Oxford MBA. Did. She. What do you do? She. company. <laughs> she. <laughs> <laughs> she SMA. Uh, I guy was getting paid, man. <laughs> CCO. Yeah. Take your CCO title. So, I'll stay GSMA. <laughs> kudos. <laughs> kudos to the founders. I think it, it takes a lot of guts right. to go and try to do this again. And and I think it was clear also the amount of commitment that they had and they've stayed in the business like 10, 10 years. I think Chad Larson left 2019 from his LinkedIn, uh, mm-hmm. but really been committed to the business from a long time coming. So kudos to the founders, first step. Second part is off-grid energy. What's about electrification is that there's going to be a lot of people that don't have energy and there's really cool stuff happening in Africa around financing off-grid. Loki, I want, I want to do an episode on off-grid energy or maybe write something on my blog, but it's a, it doesn't quite fit neatly into startups because it's tens, hundreds of millions of dollars and it's very project-based. It's literally project mm-hmm. financing um, mm-hmm. for off-grid energy because you have this, these factories that are not quite aluminum smelters which use a lot of energy, but let's call it a bottling plant, right? Coca-Cola and Jimbo's bottling plant in Asaba, which is an actual project that has been financed for off-grid or mini-grid energy. Like it's mm-hmm. super cool to just take these like corporate commercial customers, mm-hmm. give them a solar plant, a lot of batteries that can power like a big building, or even just like whatever form of, of energy generation, but it's small and unique. In some ways, a 27 kVA generator is a mini-grid by that definition a little bit, but it's not mm-hmm. quite. I'm really optimistic for all the things, all the different layers that many rural areas can get from like this off-grid or mini-grids, or off-grid energy as a whole, mini-grid solar as a whole. Fascinating. Very underinvested, very capital intensive, so you don't see a lot of 22-year-olds trying to do it. But a lot of more people are doing a lot more on the financing side and getting capital on the final users. But that's a thing that is not spoken about enough. Please write I, about it. Started, Let's check it out. I started Bankway. looking at back. Just, there are a ton of deals in this space too. It's one of my books. If you want to talk about this stuff, just email me. Email me from really.com. Email Banco. Yeah, but also if you want to write about it, I'm into upgrade. Check out Bankoli.org. Yeah. Write something about it. I will. Or, or someone should I email will. us. Email us if you want to chat about it. Cool. The final part of my summary is the business, right? I'm going to start with the positive and go into a bit more of the where I have questions. So credit is actually, if you think about it, if you just, I was preparing this more, forget the pay to go solar for a second. This guy's just giving people money. And trying to get it back. It's literally just, it's a credit business. It's, forget even the assets. It's just a credit business. It's a loan business. And that it's so hard and so unique what they did when they did it at first, that it, it became this big thing. You'll be worried if somebody says, I'm giving financing for a mattress. But like It's not a big deal. Like anybody can give financing in the US, that is. But it's so hard. And it's credit or identity. We talk about access tax. One of the things that can be unlocked super easily. Mm-hmm. Like you have to build a bunch of these things themselves or rely on MPESA, which was new. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where once you make identity and payments clear, all oh. of a sudden it's like, oh. boom. Oh. Sense, boom. They even have an identity in the same sense of a social security number. It's more identity in the same sense of 
you have an Mpesa phone number that you are registered to. Of course, that's very important. That identity layer from, yeah. and they have the 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 account that they can block, and the payments are digital. All of a sudden, new businesses start to spring up. Just like that. That's the story of 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 African entrepreneurship. It's almost like following government gazettes. If your government is if your government is doing stuff, well, our own government is not really doing much. And the Nigerian government is less busy. Their own stakeholders just to be taking money from fintechs. Uh, uh, yes, I said it. Now, for the core business of Encopa, a couple of different things. One is just the sustainability of the business and the PNL as a whole. I think I just had questions. I don't know. It's a very simple thing for somebody inside to, to answer. Is users can modulate their energy consumption. It's a fixed cost, right? So pay to go solar is like, oh, now you have solar and you pay for what you use. No, you don't. You pay a fixed cost for the device. I think that that must surely affect repayments. Definitely. Right? But like, the way to not use it is, is to stop paying. There's an indirect way. people in London, when when the price of, of, of heat was going up and they were <laughs> just vibing in, the, vibing in their house with the jackets and the blankets, right? Hey, you can't you do, do that. You gotta do. You gotta do it, but you can't do that with this, right? But, but, I, but you I, can I indirectly. Just stop paying if you want to stop using it. <laughs> It's yeah. just indirect. But I've seen that lockouts. I've seen some stuff that lockouts don't necessarily prevent defaults. Some permanent work that lockouts don't necessarily change willingness to pay. Like the customer mm. is going to pay whether they're going to pay or not. Whether they have the kerosene lap in the back now. So if, if things go wrong, yeah, they bring out good or reliable. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, okay. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me. You lock out my phone. Is it still ringing? If it's ringing, let people be calling me now. Me, I'm not also be calling people. <laughs> If, if you have a problem with Mkopa locking out your phone, go to YouTube. Yeah. You may find something. So, first is just how, what, what this means for repayment rates. Second, second piece is, is the sustainability of this PSU Go Solar business model. So you mm. went through the hype cycle of Africa Tech of, oh my God, PSU Go Solar is the future. I told you this fits into this like Western narrative of African, African entrepreneurship or innovation. Like, clean stove. Portable refrigerator, all that good stuff. But there's so many dead bodies in the industry. There's a great article from Bloomberg as well. All the dead bodies in the industry, right? Investors demand quick returns. Companies uh, end up on a funding treadmill. Uh, the former yeah. employees say the solar startups are pressured to grow at rates achieved only through high prices. Uh, um, there's, a, yeah. there's an article about a competitor in Tanzania. And there was a whistleblower, bro. Who was inside there was like, this is terrible what this company is doing. Prioritize growth over due diligence, scale as mm. fast as possible. This was nice. Zola, which is funded by Tesla and Solar. Yes, I know Zola um, very well. Yeah. Growth all calls and for an operations heavy business with a sales yeah, cycle of local agents and villages. Exactly. It's, it's not Paystack, people. It's not Paystack. I saw an example of a competitor, like 50% repayment rates when they were sending to refugees. Nice. And refugee camp, they're going after the lowest of the low. So you get into this, like, hey, if it's happening to other people in the industry, it's happened to you. That PSU Go Solar industry tends to have a lot of people where we've seen dodgy business practices, a bunch of other stuff that makes you question the industry itself. Because it's What does the industry have to do with one specific company? They're, they're different now. What if they're different? Okay, so when we work crashing to the wall, you did not think about other office space, co-working spaces as... I don't as, get involved. I don't invest in businesses. those kinds of businesses. Exactly, exactly. So my personal opinion do, doesn't matter. Them, like 10 or 15 of these businesses have had issues and a couple have gone bankrupt. It's, but specifically, pay-as-you-go solar, right? Pay-as-you-go solar, asset, right? Not phone financing. <sighs> anyway, that's something that I am concerned about. But again, maybe much ado about nothing because if you're in the business, you see the risk and you see the numbers and be like, eh, doesn't know what it's talking about. Completely accept that. I finally, final point is I really like the, how they've thought about the funding. Very creative. I don't think as many startups do that very well. These guys did debt very early, very quickly, and knew what they needed 
work funding they needed and they wouldn't mm. do that. That's and fair. And I say that because it seems it seems obvious, but I don't know if you see this somewhere. I talk to startups are using equity to fund debt operations. And like, oh, it's just a pilot, but it's growing. And we're just like, you should have that conversation very early and know what business you're running. And I think that what they've done well is to run this with debt. Actually, overall, Offgrid is great. I love the founder story. The business, there's just a couple of key details. I'm more of a hold after go to the episode. I like doing this buy sell hold questions. I like that. I don't think nice. I'm a sell. I don't think I'm a buyer either. I'm trying to maybe I'm just being non-committal. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's why I, I, I buy do, a whole buy or sell. I would do sell. Yeah, but if, if if they force those two options, but the middle option is the safety point. It's not the safety point. It's the real point. It's that like let me put it this way: if you looked at that accounting, <clears> there's a couple of things like like if I showed you just like a management account, right? That was just like two pages. It could literally change your sell to a buy. Is what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. probably where where it starts to hinge on. Yes, I'm, but that's I'm less the, worried about competition. If, if if based on the publicly available information I've looked at, too many yellow flags and red flags. That's what where mine was. But yeah. with additional right. information, anything can change. Cool, cool. Anyways, recommendations, small wins. Recommendations. All right, yeah, blow it. Right. Recommendations. Dances with Wolves movie. This movie was actually released in 1990, which is funny. It's super old, but amazing. I was going to mm-hmm. watch Avatar 2, and I was like, oh, let me watch Avatar 1 first to prepare for Avatar 2. Mm-hmm. And then when I was going to rewatch Avatar 1, I remember someone had told me, yo, Avatar 1 is just like Dances with Wolves. I watched that. Let's forget about both Avatar movies. Shit compared to Dances with Dances with Wolves is amazing. Highly recommended. Avatar is skip them. I watched it. Just They're fine, whatever. Nothing to write home about. If you have four hours to spare, go watch it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way. Okay, second recommendation, Descripts. Amazing. It's funny, by coincidence, yeah. Bankalu was just telling me about this. We already use it for affability, but I'm using it a lot more now because yeah. I'm doing the side project of the book. It's actually, it's, yeah. shout out to Bankalu whose idea was to use it. I wasn't a fan, to be honest, initially, but it's mm-hmm. actually quite powerful. They need to fix the bugs. It's still a bit laggy, but highly recommended software if you're doing audio production or video production. Those are my two recommendations. The script, yeah. great tool, and then Dances with Wolves, great, great movie. Fascinating. Okay, I have one recommendation. I'm trying to think I should make it two, but I have one. Yeah, because we, we this, haven't recorded in uh, four weeks. So yeah, I'm not surprised if you have two. This this guy has, this this blogger, this newsletter I follow, built a chatbot off his favorite podcast, Huberman, the health Huberman Lab. What's that thing? No, no. Does this podcast talk about health and sleep and papers and... Task marketing, just general, like, it's not even like Friedman. I'm trying to find an example. It's like invest like the best, but focus on healthcare type. Okay. Improvement topics. Um, okay. Probably the best example. But anyways, the whole point is this dude used GPT-3 to build, to take the transcripts of this podcast and use it to then ask what the podcast says about something. Like, what is this thing? Okay. I thought that was pretty cool. Imagine you could take like all affability podcasts and be like, what does Olympia think about the government? Oh well, I can. You don't need to do that. I, I can tell you. Cool. I think they're shits. In that with a chatbot, I thought I was. And it'll give you a more nuanced answer than just one word. That's smart. It will, no, give you a detailed answer based on the transcripts. But it, it was good. There's a great article about some of the shortcomings of it. But I, even the idea of it, really, as somebody who has probably at this point tens, hundreds of thousands of words, if not millions of words, transcripts, right, feed into hmm. a GPT model, and you can just ask what uh, Bankoli thinks about Mpesa. Hmm. Or, or it's what, actually interesting. Right it's even good to see yeah. it about yourself. You may even be surprised what you think about something. It may not be what you said. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The whole point is, is it's sort Funny. of bold on one of the use cases of GPT-3 models or chat GPT models is basically that you can start to get meaning from a body of stuff that you couldn't do before. So like, 
find an email. How do I typically respond when people reach out to me via email or something? And you can just use that. So what, what was your, your recommendation? Is your recommendation ChatGPT specifically or something more? No, is this is this article? Is a story? Is the article how this guy built? Yeah, the, a chatbot based on this podcast and the short comments and how he did it. It was very fascinating to read. You should check it out. Okay, small That's ones. Too small recommendation. Two small ones. Okay, because we haven't recorded in a while, my small ones are old actually, but fine, we'll bless through them. So hung out with my mom during Thanksgiving break. It's cool. Nice. And then New Year's Were Day. Were you in Lagos? No, she was here. She was oh, in Miami. Nice. And then New Year's Day with friends in London. It was cool just to enjoy and celebrate and bring in the New Year's. Two different celebrations. I think the theme of my small ones is all around community and parties. So. Soft, soft life. Soft wow. life. Please, your small ones. I, I take the criticism. For a big man. Soft life. It's not criticism. You're living a, you're living a soft I, life. I'm man. waiting for your own small wins. I'm not it never raised. It never raised in Miami, only hurricanes. You get it. Wow. What are your small <laughs> wins, please? Dude, wow. I'm, I'm just happy to be back. Back home. I'm back in Seattle. I've been traveling for like the last three months. I was in Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, Cape Town, Joburg. Many different reasons, many different things. I got to like be in those countries as a local for a while. Nigeria, especially for a very long time. For good or for bad. And for bad, also, probably. sidebar. Sidebar, I didn't say that too. Did you get your name? You don't have NIN. You don't have NIN. You have NIN. You're talking. Sidebar is I, when I was in Nigeria, I tried to work my day job on the West Coast and doing West Coast hours, which is painful. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about all the founders who are based, Nigerian founders who are based in San Francisco. And be like, how, how does that actually work as, as a way of working? can be very, mm-hmm. very intense. But good luck to them. They know best. They're the shareholders in there. <laughs> I'm sure they figured something out to be based in SF and run a business in Nigeria. I have so many comments. I'm not going to comment. I'll do Okay, actually, I will comment. I have to. I can't even help myself. That's why you moved know, to London, my friend. It was, it was, it was, that's it was, why, a, it was a, I was spoken. I knew you would London. say something. That's why you moved Olympic to London, cannot control himself. You never go to SF. London's almost the same time zone apart from summers. I know. But yeah, crazy. raise the money and go to London instead. Problem solved. Okay, <laughs> yes. So if you, if you do want to fund our startup... Email info at probability.com. Honestly, in this funding, in this funding market, we will take any valuation. Just Hell give us no. the money first. No. <laughs> Just give us the money first. We, we already don't live in Nigeria. You don't need to think about that. That's not a problem. No, fully remote team. Bring the money first. Bring the money. Exactly. This fully distributed, hybrid distribution. Oh, funny. Yeah. On that note, we wrap it. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, or just want to say hello, please email info at afferability.com. Thanks.